I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's, let's write Mike a song. Usually we go to another thing here, but this is getting kind of intense. Ugh. They call him Mike. The M stands for Mike and Mighty. See how he got that one up. Oh. It's okay. We'll go to the bridge. Mike is mighty. Mighty like swords and bears. Bears with swords are mighty, but they're not mighty compared to Mike. Dude, have you seen this guy doing his thing with the controller? It's like watching a surgeon. If a surgeon used a controller instead of a scalpel. Oh, Mike, why are you disappointing the people of Nerdapalooza? This is your true moment to shine. I think that you have the power, the power deep inside you, the power to blow our minds. Triforce Mike, Triforce Mike power, Triforce Mike. We can't give you another hour, Triforce Mike, Triforce power. It gets weird when you mix your video game metaphors. We realize that there is no Triforce in this game. But that game is awesome. I'm sure that Mike's played it. And as he played it, he felt its power coursing through his veins and his mind. Coursing through his hands. He will find something deep inside, deep inside us all, a mighty power, you hear the call, look at the call of Triforce Mike, Mike has the power, Triforce Mike, you could go for like hours doing video games, Triforce Mike, I love you, let's ride bikes, Triforce Mike, I love you, Triforce Mike. Triforce Mike Triforce Mike Dude, that was awesome Hello dear friends, welcome to the Triforce Mike Tribute Podcast Gathered here in um, exactly the spot where we recorded the first episode of Season 2 of Nerdy Show Is the largest assemblage of Nerdy Show uh, people and Nerdy Show affiliates and friends of Nerdy Show That have ever come together in one place Maybe ever, or at least for a recording. Um, I'm Cap. As you know, the song we just came in from was a live performance from Nerdapalooza 2009, Hex? Eight. Eight, 2008, um, where Triforce Mike got his moniker 
That was Uncle Monsterface with Triforce Mike. Um, since this is a this is a tell all episode about the life and times of one Mr. Michael Triforce Pandel or something. <laughs> Tri- <laughs> Triforce Michael Ashley Pandel Jr. As we changed his name to just for his death, specifically, just so he could be on official. We just stuck the Triforce in there legally. That happened. I no one was his family don't know yet. <laughs> so they're gonna find out. Um yeah well yeah okay <laughs> so this is a really this is a, a very a very raw episode we're gonna just we're gonna just do it we're just gonna talk we're not gonna edit it um we're just gonna go so everybody's gonna introduce themselves in a clockwise fashion around this <laughs> massively long table. It's like a renaissance feast. It's like his penis. It's the last <laughs> 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 I was going to take my seat. I know I was going first. Uh, this is Rule, the Game Master for Dungeons and Doritos. Hello, this is Jonna. Hey, it's Oral. I'm Mark with a C. I do stuff. Like, knock over that water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Brian with Flame On. And Jared from Flame On. <laughs> Who came out of a secret hatch. I'm Jared <laughs> <laughs> from Flame On. <laughs> I'm Fat Tits Finnegan. <laughs> uh, jo- joining us tonight are some, some dear old friends um, from, uh, from Mike and I's, well, basically... 15 years ago. A, lo- a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away called South Florida. Um, the Jews go to death. A, <laughs> and, and crazy young people go to live. Um, we, there, a, a band of people got together that, that formed some very strange and unique bonds that created people like myself and Triforce Mike and Brandon. Um, Brandon, who will be joining us later, by the way, he's just getting back from work, and and uh, Fat Tits Finnegan, whom whom, whom you met, uh, whom you met on uh, on the uh, our, our Pen Fifteen Club uh, penis episode, um, was uh, was among those people, and we've got two others with us here from that from that time and place. Uh, uh, I'm Nick. I'm one of them. And uh, Nick Nick actually has been on the show exactly once uh, because he he interviewed uh, Amanda Palmer and her buddy whose name I don't remember uh, as their uh, their concept Jason Webley Jason Webley yes uh, as Evelyn Evelyn uh, and uh, and also I'm Lawrence Hondrick who we talked about a lot uh, I'm Jay Jones also known as Gundam King on the forums and one of the major contributors of the Pen Fifteen episode <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Jay <laughs> also a giant self promoter it seems but this is he's Tony an honorary Bo- producer he's it's, an honorary producer he's also a giant asshole That's true. Fair enough. I like him I like Jay <laughs> shut up Colin <laughs> This is Tony artist for nerdy show draw and friend. I am draw friend draw friend <laughs> not artist I art what is that I also appear on some episodes on Martin on the Pocasodes and shit yeah I'm Aaron the talent manager of this whole thing uh, <laughs> executive producer uh, originator uh, I bought nerdyshow.com and sold it to Cappy for one dollar um, <laughs> and that's about it drives a hard <laughs> I 
and hi, I'm Hex, and uh, here we are, all strong. Oh yeah, and also you, you, <laughs> what? Hey, can't you, can't you put aside your rivalry for one day? There is no one right next to me. No one of importance, at least. Yeah. Hex is your dir- yeah. There you go. The one who's typically forgotten. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, and Colin, who uh, it comes on Nerdy Show once in a while, and uh, I'm also I also play Barty on on D and D. Jackass. I know. Wouldn't you say he's a son of a bitch? So so uh, so we're here um, tonight, and uh, and we're gonna tell some stories about Mike's life. We're gonna talk about Mike. We're gonna give Mike a send up now. There's not a lot that we could do here tonight that it, it, in many ways could pale in comparison to what's happened online since the news broke. Um, and uh, You guys are fucking awesome. That's yeah. The last fucking one of you. I, I, I mean, I suppose if you're listening to this and you know exactly what the case is, but I, I feel maybe for, for time capsule purposes, it, it only... It, it... Well, one thing they were talking about on the forums was that um, Mike is immortalized by podcasting yeah. so anyone that comes across the podcast say a year from now that is listening to the podcast through and they get to this episode uh, and I wish I could remember whose post that was because it was a really was good a post there, I'm post. sorry there's there's a thread that this episode will be linked to on the forums that um is incredible I started it when I when I found the uh when the, when the news first came in that Mike Mike was in critical condition and uh and then it turned into uh, a memorial thread and it is how many how many Tony I mean it's five pages deep at, at pages the, as of deep now but 150 posts a lot of which from people who have never participated in the forums or shown any kind of activity on the site who had to share what Mike was to them what he meant as not only a personality on the show but as somebody who they wanted to meet and be a part of his life. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there's, there were so many just incredible, incredible, incredible postings there. And I, I'm sorry, I can't remember who, who, who wrote what, but that particular one you're mentioning, Hex, and, and that was a particularly good one talking about how, uh, he was listening to, um, some kind of, I think skeptics. Guide to the universe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he was listening to them currently and then went back and, and found out that someone from the podcast had actually died, um, who was a major host of the show. And um, and he got to know that person all over again and, and just kind of relived that experience as though he experienced it for the first time. And that this medium, this uncannily intimate medium of podcasting uh, is unique in that it forges connections between listeners and uh, and and podcasters. Um, far stronger than than most broadcast mediums at all, and um, and that's just shown a thousand times over with uh, with what's happened since Mike passed. Um, now, what happened exactly was that um, was that Mike was out biking one night. Um, oh, we have we have, we have we have more people. I'll, I'll continue. I'll continue speaking. But um, Mike was out biking. He was biking drunk and. Uh, he ran across an intersection that he should not have and uh, and was uh, hit by a car and um, sustained a very serious head and neck injury that knocked him unconscious immediately. Um, he, uh, he probably didn't feel a thing, and from that point on, he was unconscious up to the moment he officially died. Um, and... Uh, during that time, there was a period of about 24 hours where everyone was able to come see him in the hospital. He looked fine. In fact, 
when I when I got to the hospital, it it was we didn't know anything, and they weren't really able to tell us much. But he looked so fine that we were all certain that he was just gonna you know he was gonna have learned his goddamn lesson and uh, and you know get over it in a couple weeks. Um, but uh, that it just was not I guess the kind of injury that that looks as bad as it is. And his brainstem was damaged, and he simply could not continue to function. Um, any, any longer he was he was at that point completely gone d- more or less dead actually and um and but there was a whole day where people had an opportunity to say goodbye and um they all came in droves to the hospital i'm talking hundreds of people came to the uh, intensive care unit at orlando regional medical center and his his family who knew that he was well liked but had no clue what he was really up to uh were in awe and um it was a very good thing for them. Uh, there were more people than I knew. I've faces I've never seen before, and they just kept coming um, to the point that we actually had to get kicked out because the hospital couldn't really take it anymore. Um, and uh, and and uh, but great thanks to them for putting up with it for as long as they did. Like something like at least six hours of of constant people. Um, and the response has been incredible online. Uh, it's just. Everybody's posting about it. It, it, uh, cr- the news of, of his death crashed bleeding cool. I don't it's even. The second largest comic book news site, according to Alexa. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know. Who knew? <laughs> who knew? Who knew that Mike was so well known? Um, it also crashed the beat. Uh, the beat's done by Heidi, who's, um, oh, Comics is, Beat? Yeah, the Comics yeah. Beat, and Ben McCool is her, you know, husband, and Ben McCool freaking loved Mike, and he's, yeah. he's devastated by it. So. And, I mean, there's been numerous, um, <laughs> both comics professionals who who knew him through his work at the show and then ones who just had kind of like were aware of him like Gail Simone commented on Comics Beat countless other other big names were on there um, in the nerd music scene Schaefer uh, Mustin Beefy uh, Steffo Animal Rock um, anyone that he didn't have sex with Dan Dan Cannon like the list goes on of all these people that that I'm and DJ Roborov is currently working on a tribute album for Mike. And so Negarant sent his condolences as well. It's the, the list goes on of all these different people in the nerd music and, scene that he was able to connect with. And comic author Jason Aaron did an entire blog post yeah. about him. It was, uh, it was beautiful. Yeah. From the point I was there at 9.35 in the morning till 6 o'clock when they kicked us out, there were always enough people that they just kept going in through there. There was a constant stream of people that they would let in to see him, so there was never enough people to just not go in. Yeah, I posted on my Facebook, and the you know room number and everything, but you know, right before I left around nine, I told his mom, I hugged her and I said, you know, thank you for letting me come in and say goodbye. And she said she wanted all his friends to be able to, and I'm like, I don't know if you really want all his friends to be able to. This guy has a lot of friends. She's like, no, I want all his friends. And like, if I post this on Facebook, this is going to blow up. You know, this would be over 9,000. And she, she didn't know what she was getting into. She had no idea. I heard his aunt was kind of, you know, pissed about it. You know, Why? Just what I heard. That, I no, know. she was fine. She was all right? Yeah. All right, cool. Hearsay, hearsay. Everybody was, was so great. The, the family has been... Like so strong, and his little sisters have been so strong in helping to get people in and out to see him and talk to him and say their goodbyes. And you could hold his hand, and and he would squeeze it every now and then. It was it was a really good um, 
was, it was a really good experience to get to, to send him off that way and to tell him how much we all loved him. Where do you go from here? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. We've, we've, we've set aside a kind of like storytelling chair where people can, during the, during the podcast, can, can go and, and for the technical purpose of being better mic'd, really, but it does also kind of, <laughs> it's going to make, make sure that there's a lot of moments of people getting the spotlight here. But I, I want to take this opportunity, this kind of break in, in discussion to, to give the floor to, to Brian, first and foremost. Brian um, uh, couldn't be with us here tonight uh, in, in person or, or online. There's just too many of us to, to do Skyping. Um, so uh, what we're about to play is Brian's personal message about Mike. I think the only way to, to sum up Mike's life is to say that he touched all of us uh, probably far too often and far too intimately and often without any permission. Uh, to say that he'll be missed is a massive understatement. I don't know. I got. I can't. First up in the storytelling chair, we have Eric. Hi. Um... I'm Eric from Flame On, and I worked with Mike at a comic shop. Uh, my best memory, I'm figuring Mike Pandel, man. He, and God, honey, please don't yell at me, but he, without him, I would have never kissed as many straight men as I kissed in my day. <laughs> I hate him, believe me, even though today, even though today, I've got to grope many straight men because of him. And I would say to them today, I'm like, you know what, we should make out. Why? Because Mike Pandel would want us to. <laughs> and they would turn to me and say, you're right. Mike <laughs> so Mike, wherever you are at this point, thank you. And I love you so much. And you will be so missed. And that's all I can say. <laughs> so, you know... A lot of people, I guess they, some people first met Mike during um, our first season, which was at WPRK. In Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to say that for so long. <laughs> Mike would have wanted it today. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I'd say most people... Um, Knew us first via Dungeons and Doritos, actually episode eight of season two, and uh, and then stumbled into Nerdy Show proper from there on, um, and uh, knowing Mike as a as a radio persona is, I would imagine a very different thing from knowing him in real life, um, but I feel like I feel like maybe something we should do at this time is to kind of go back and explain where where Mike came from exactly. As many of the long-time listeners probably know, um, we all, uh, a majority of the core Nerdy Show cast grew up together in South Florida, centered around Fort Lauderdale. Um, and we all came up to Orlando kind of around when we were going to college. And, um, what's so funny? You laugh college. about <laughs> College. <laughs> yeah. Um, the it, retired English major that we're paying homage to tonight. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was the fun. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Not many of us made it through that journey, but, uh, <laughs> but some of us did. And some of us run podcasts now, which is not what we got a degree for. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, if only your first grade teacher could see you now. It's a lot less we now and a lot more you. <laughs> She'd have been real proud of me. <laughs> All my dick jokes. Now, of course, we have a huge we have a huge gaping void to fill. <laughs> and, uh, and, there are only so many penises that can fit. That sounds like a wager. <laughs> that sounds like last night. <laughs> so is Frank's penis the glass slipper? Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> a glass asshole or a glass hole or something like that. Oh, that sounds. I don't want to. I don't want to put nothing in there. <laughs> um, we so, shouldn't talk about Pompano Beach that way. You guys grew up around it. Mm. Yeah, we did. Um, in fact, um, Colin first met Mike at Pompano Beach Middle School, uh, where I went to eighth grade, and then and then followed followed Mike, un- unknowing to me, into uh, Deerfield Beach High School. First time I ever met Mike was in a uh, in a computer class, and for the life of me, I don't really know what that class was supposed to be, um, <laughs> but because it was it was run by an eccentric little man named Mr. Plotkin, um, who, uh, yeah, I don't need man, just just the just a crazy little motherfucker prone to nervous breakdowns, and uh, and and who who <laughs> in between the times when he legitimately did give a fuck, most of the time legitimately didn't give a fuck what you were doing as long as it seemed creative or important. Um, and uh, we were in there, and uh, it was a really early introductory cl- class, like uh, ninth grade, you know, whatever, whatever the fuck you do. And um, I played just playing with pooters for the first time, and uh, <laughs> and I was using Photoshop probably for probably for the first time ever, actually. Um, and I was making a slide for the the television slideshow thing uh, that that I don't know if they still do in schools or not, but um, uh, but at the time. Earthbound.net was having their first call-in to try to bring. Jeez, uh, I don't remember what the what the fuck were they doing at their first. It was their it was their whatever it was. It was the first thing they did that was a public outreach thing with a fan base to contact uh, Nintendo, and um, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna make a slide for it. And Mike Mike was like, oh, that's a Mr. Saturn, right? And I'm like, yeah, you know, Earthbound. He's like, no, I never played it. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, but he's like, he's like, you know, nobody at at this school is going to give two fucks about this, right? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just doing... Okay. <laughs> okay, older kid with weird, grungy hair. Um, Triforce Mike. Crushing spirits, even as early as high school. <laughs> um, back then, Mike... Uh, <laughs> uh, Mike had a very, very different look. He, he Maybe the reason that he spent so much time trying to be a, a, a hot, sexy piece of shit... Um, <laughs> The, the way he did uh, these days is because uh, he used to not give a fuck back then. <laughs> it was, uh, he was kind of <laughs> Kurt Cobain in skate shorts, really. <laughs> we were just looking through the yearbooks. I saw some mullet action going on there. Oh. <laughs> Brandon put up a picture of him and, him and Mike rocking those mullets like it was the mid-80s. <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, <laughs> so he he had he had long hair and he had denim jeans that fucking never got changed and uh, much like uh, his comic shop shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he just traded one item of clothing for the other, but you know he needs that familiarity. Um, and uh, I, he did know what Earthbound was, so I I gave him that that pass and let him be. You know, let him figure he's a cool enough guy to associate with and. Uh, 
um, we started talking about things, found out he liked Ninja Turtles, and um, and uh, I asked if he'd read the uh, the Archie Adventure series Turtles, which, as Millsters know, I widely regard as the the best run they ever had in comic books, and uh, uh, and he hadn't, and on this weird. I don't know. It just seemed like the right thing to do, and he seemed like a cool enough guy. And I, Colin knew him, so that was a that was a good vote of confidence. And I I just loaned him loaned him all of them. I didn't really know him, but I loaned him all of them. Um, and that was kind of it. Um, immediately we had, well, in addition to all the other pop culture shit we had to bond over, it was a uh, uh, it was that, and uh, and it just kind of went from there. And uh, we were. Started, you know, traveling the same circles and high school stuff just started happening. And we didn't, um, we got tighter as the years went on. Like it was still pretty, like he was like a guy I knew for a while. But, um, but you know, later on, we we became really, really, really good friends. Like, like core, you know. I mean, I guess you can probably tell you're, you've listened to the show. We're still doing it today. We just knew each other from high school. Like core, longtime friends, and. uh and it, they, the stories will the stories will come, but uh, we got in all kinds of, of mayhem together. Who's next? We'll probably come and go, people to people, back and forth forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Taking the floor right now is one Mr. Lawrence Hondrick. I don't think we've ever mentioned him by name before, but goddamn, we've talked about him because we've had some adventures. Let me tell you. I've been trying to come up with a reason to get him on the show for a long time because uh, he's cool. Shall I, shall I go into it? Go for it, man. Uh, I mean, I, I, I find myself in a peculiar position now. Um, coming back here, uh, I left Orlando, I don't know, some years ago um, to seek my fortunes. The, the funny thing about it for me is that um, I feel that since my relationship with Mike being a long-distance one over these past few years hasn't been as active as yours, I am, to some extent, mourning a different Mike than all of you are. Um, and it's interesting, interesting for me because Mike was so skilled at rebranding. Um, I, I wonder who that person is who so many people know and what he has in common with the Mike I know. Um, but I'll, I'll just sort of start from the top, I suppose. Um, I met Mike through Cat. Oh, I met Mike through Cat. Cat had written a, <clears throat> a script for a movie called The Grand Adventures of Robin Lawrence. Um, and in this, uh, Mike played my best and oldest friend, Rob. Um, and through a series of sort of, uh, <laughs> Well, uh, mishaps, I eventually ended up playing myself. <laughs> uh, which was hilarious in its own right, but perhaps you know, a story for, for another day. It is a story for another day, yeah. but it uh, turns out that uh, that guy actually had a, had a really good excuse that we learned years later. Ah, so. Well, G- guy, <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> not, for, for many reasons, not the least of which... I became such good friends with Mike. I mean, as I said, he was, um, he was playing my best and oldest friend at the time, and I suppose it might be in the spirit of consummate method acting. <laughs> he indeed did become, um, quickly enough, but certainly in time, more and more so, one of my best and oldest friends. Um, it's a funny thing, you know, 
Well, I remember when we were in university together, I was living with uh, Nick, who's here, Brandon, who's coming, um, Mike, obviously, and Cappy was a regular fixture. He might as well have been living there. Just down the street. Just down the street. And then later on, we did all live together. Uh, I remember we had this idea for a television series called Robot College Animated, which was effectively <laughs> an autobiographical work focusing on our mishaps and hijinks, which we had encountered since entering the fairy tale land of University of Central Florida territory. Um, and in this pilot script, which we all contributed to, but Mike penned very skillfully, and I think it's something that I think unfortunately few people have gotten an opportunity to read the sorts of things that Mike used to write. Um, it was a habit he fell out of, I'm under the impression, but a great shame at that. I digress. Mike wrote this script, and uh, funny, I, I'm thinking about it because uh, while his incredible family was uh, cleaning out their bedroom today, or Mike's bedroom, uh, they came across this picture of the uh, characters that I drafted for um, Robot College. And um, it got me thinking about the script, and um, on the way over in the car, I was thinking about <laughs> Mike dies in that episode. Um, he's <laughs> he, he, he wrote himself... He wrote himself a fantastic end wherein he sacrificed himself to save his friends. He was devoured by red ants. <laughs> this is based on a true story. And, and it, Again, it is. It actually, it actually is. But Yeah. But the funny thing about this is, as I think about it, um, Michael Pandel had the fascinating opportunity in this uh, position to write his own epitaph, which he did. And as I recall, his epitaph read, here lies Michael Ashley Pandell Jr. He died as he lived, covered in ants. <laughs> and there's something about that which holds true to me. You know, even now, Staring down the barrel of this microphone, I think uh, I look back on it and I can't find exactly where the abstraction begins and the reality ends or vice versa, but there's something about that which in my sort of adult semi-emotional state makes a lot of sense to me. I think it has something to do with... Uh, <laughs> You know, sorry, I haven't gotten a lot of sleep. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's cool. Cat. <laughs> it was a matter of time. A matter of time. Anyway, um, I guess in a very roundabout sort of way, Mike Mike lived exactly if how he felt like living at any given time often to our joy, sometimes to our frustration. Um, but I think what everyone sitting around this table loved him for was his, he, he made enthusiasm into brinksmanship when he got excited about something, when he wanted to do something. He, at the core of it, was such a lovely, lovable guy. I mean, I remember to him, I mean, he was straight away, he was, a special guy, but I remember the first time I connected with him, we just went to Walmart one night, like 8 o'clock at night, and next thing we know, we'd just been sitting at Walmart 
you know, the sun was coming up. We'd been talking all night about every terrible thing that ever happened in our lives. And he was, at that point, a relative stranger to me. And I felt like, you know, there was something special. And there were, I haven't had that experience with many people in my life. I think some of us know him, you know, we all know him for different reasons, but I'll always just remember him, you know, as about 10 different people. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I've, I've been too long on this, uh, on this chair. No such thing. Shot. No such thing. Someone else shot. It's, uh, it's probably, should have mentioned this earlier, but um, we're, we're going to get this episode out pretty quickly, but there's, there's been, there's probably by the time you see this, there has been or is just about to be uh, an event at a comic shop on uh, Wednesday, February 1st. Um, and uh, and it's it's going to be this. It is it is the Triforce Mike tribute event, uh, and it's going to be you know crazy. And there's going to be lots of people there, and um, uh, there will no doubt be pictures shown up. And if if there's you know like a, a page of pictures or anything, um, Jeff Douglas, fan of the show and, and whatnot, he's already said he will be coming with a camera to take cool. pictures, and he takes a phenomenal. Well, photos. we'll we'll link to any kind of galleries and anything. There's going to be like an, a wall for people to do art on of, of Mike, and um, you know I don't know what's going to happen exactly, but but it's going to be really good. Um, so. I don't know as I was going with that. Anyway, who's next? Oh, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> Jared's talking. Something phenomenal must happen. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> well, since I am sitting closest to the mic. You can dial down the sass while the quest is not here. <laughs> <laughs> you go, Jared. Nice. Oral just got told. What the fuck? That's okay. Ask what can come later. <laughs> I'll love you forever. Anyways, uh, I am Jared from Flame On. Some of you know that I rarely ever speak. I do not uh, particularly enjoy comic books, uh, yada, 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 yada. But um, when I first met Mike, I had uh, visited a comic shop on numerous occasions, and I knew of Aaron and I knew of Mike, but I didn't know Mike very well because Mike, when I... You know, was introduced to him, seemed like this smug, sarcastic, uh, egotistical asshole who never actually, you know, bothered to uh, talk to customers. He would just sit up there at the register and, you know, thumb through things. (laughs) 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 But uh, the the more and more I frequented a comic shop, the the more I got to know him. And um, through uh, Flame On, I actually got a chance to you know, actually interact with Mike on a, well, not intimate basis, but a more personal basis. Wait, saw his penis. Yes, okay. I saw his penis. Who uh, hasn't seen his penis? I have it. There are hands oh, raised. Okay. Tomorrow night. There are hands raised. No, t- 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 tomorrow night, you'll see, his, you'll see his penis become the littlest proto-man. <laughs> but... Um, there, there were occasions where Mike and I interacted outside of the shop. Um, there were two instances that I could remember off the top of my head. Um, the first one was when Mike actually came over to my house to uh, to just hang out. Um, we were watching. We were watching the uh, the, the recent uh, re-release of Evangelion. I, I, I don't know the specifics behind it, but you know, he was he was spattering on. About the uh, specifics of it, and 
Sorry, that phone's distracting. <laughs> but anyways, just uh, you know, just quiet moments between him and I. Just uh, I want to say cowboy moments, where it's it's something that you don't necessarily have to communicate through words. Yes, I'm not trying to make a Brokeback Mountain joke. Right <laughs> and um, the other instance was um, the penis episode. Um, we, we talked... No, it wasn't the penis episode. It was the introductory episode of for, for Flame On. We talked about uh, different ma- homosexual uh, preferences for uh, intercourse. Tops and bottoms. Tops and bottoms. Yeah. And... Um, we we actually had a discussion about this inside the men's room. <laughs> wow. It, it was a demonstration, actually. <laughs> but uh, you know, he he ragged on me for not uh, talking more because he you know thought I was more submissive that way. But you know, we we had a mutual understanding of things and. Uh, <laughs> yes, it worked out. It worked out just fine. <laughs> Did he treat you like a puppet and talk for you with his hand up? No, your it ass? was the other way around. <laughs> and so uh, Cap had to step step away for a moment, but um, wait, can I interrupt for a moment? Yeah, of about course. a phone call we just had. Uh, Miriam, one of Mike's friends, was been at home like crying and being very upset about everything and one of her friends California got in touch with Xander from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and he just called her and sang the musical episode to her and sends his condolences to us wow wow whoa did you just hear that I I didn't I'm sorry I was (laughs) the actor who played Xander in Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, was contacted by one of Miriam's friends out in California and he called Miriam, sang uh, some of the songs from the musical episode, and sent his condolences to her and us for Mike's. What the awesome. fuck? Wow. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. What is drama queen? <laughs> <laughs> How did. Okay, I, I get. I mean, if you heard vibrations in the microphone, it was because I was. Uh, I was because I was. <laughs> It was because I was because I was shooting ejaculate all over it. No, uh, it was it was because I was dealing with. I was like, oh shit, I got a phone call and the vibrations are getting picked up, so I ran out the room and then boom. Apparently, I should have picked up the phone even though we were recording. Who knew? <laughs> wow, that's I don't even know how that works. That's crazy. <laughs> uh. So next in the hot seat, it looks like we have Jay Jones, Gundam King. Yeah, raise that up. Raise the roof. Make out with it. Um, just the tip. <laughs> <laughs> being being one of the youngest people at the table, um, I I had one of the freshest experiences with Mike. I got to know him on sort of this new level, and uh, to me, Mike was always the person that the one thing that I pulled away from being around Mike was no fear. Um, I lived a lot of my life with certain things above my head and if there's one thing I took away from being around Mike was just no fear like he helped me I've only known Mike for five years and in those five years he actually helped me get over some really stupid ass shit that just scared the crap out of me I I moved to Orlando five years ago 
with nothing. Like I, I knew I had to get out of where I was. And the first experience that I had with Mike was I walked up to the comic shop and it was closed and I was just looking for anyone and it was closed and I was walking away and he opened the door and he's like, dude, if you want to come in, you can come in. And I was like, are you sure you're closed? He's like, if you ever want to come in and it's closed, just come in. And that was, that was awesome to me. Like I needed a friend and he was there right away. It doesn't matter if he wasn't the perfect person. He was the person there that I needed. Um, I had one goal. It was to be in the game industry and without Mike, without that one experience of Mike being there for one person, I wouldn't be living the dream that I want to live. So thank you, Mike, for being there for just one day. The, the, the no fear thing is, a, is a, maybe the, the most omnipresent quality about Mike uh, is that throughout the time that when I first knew him, when any of us first knew him, uh, he was always a guy who was willing to do something that no one else was. Like he was always, he was, <laughs> he was, he was always ready to, to take it to the, to the next level. And maybe that's, maybe that's one of the reasons that he just kept, uh, kind of, it just, it just kept going. It just, it, it, there was always someplace new to push whatever it was that he was, uh, well, push, push the limits really. Jumping from the third floor to the second floor. And then, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Escalating. You were something like one of those people that needed somebody else no, that, that to do something. No, one needed that was a self no, he would no. just wait a minute, I did that last time. Let's do this. <laughs> it was a, that was a self elevator. Yeah. He set the benchmark for what other people couldn't do, and big tits can apply that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's that's fat tits, fat but tits. <laughs> you sex is big. And he's a fucking wet noodle and just flops around everywhere. I put four toes. The line, she, the line she ended with whenever she hit the ground was, "My feet broken." <laughs> feet failed me now. It's the tagline for that Nickelodeon. I broke my feet. It was nice to not be the injured one. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, we actually recorded several episodes prior to Mike's death. Um, there's, and we're gonna we're gonna release all of them. We're not gonna change anything about them. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, there's two microsodes on the way. Uh, one very appropriately about zombies. Um, <laughs> um, and. Uh, Oh, Mike's Mike's advice on how to deal with them is equally awkward. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and and also a um, a regular sized episode about uh, the old republic, and uh, and then we recorded two episodes as well um, without Mike, um, but also before that time where we ended up actually telling some stories about Mike, and uh, and just the lengths that he was willing to go to. Um, <laughs> Uh, even even all the way back in high school, and and I, Colin told that story already, but um, it, it involves it involves a, mo- a a very emo movie about a bunch of suicides, um, where Mike's the main character. Um, so I just want to take this opportunity to brace everybody for that. Um, and um. <laughs> but but um, Mike was Mike was willing to uh, to to go to extremes all the way back then, and that was always that was one of the things we we actually did together um, for a while. <laughs> for uh, it's pro- I probably seem like the tame one <laughs> on the uh, 
on the podcast, but uh, but we uh, when like in in high school and in college, like we were we were at for a time maybe at, at similar levels. <laughs> that that quickly ended that that very brief period, but uh, his, <laughs> and and mine just stayed the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember like there's so many we got into so many stupid situations back then I'm trying to think of a of a really good one. Um, well, while you're thinking, yeah, looks like someone's in the hot seat. Oh yeah, oh look at that, it's Oral. Oh, it's a witch. Um, hi, Oral from Boymon. Um, sound like an AA meeting just now, which <laughs> <laughs> which Mike and I would never have been caught dead at. Um, but but you should have maybe. <laughs> I mean, I feel like most of the damage is done. There's no reason to stop drinking now. Um, Isn't the black guy supposed to die first? (laughs) (laughs) And you're wearing a red shirt. (laughs) I needed that. Um, uh, I had the great privilege and um, great shame of working with Mike at a a comic shop. Um, I've known him for maybe like four and a half years. Uh, a friend uh, of mine brought me into the store and there were two things that were a mess. One was my future boss, Aaron, shouting at me that I was black. Because <laughs> he, he just, just in case he forgot. And the second and in case one. there's any blind people in the store. Who <laughs> was um, this tall, gangly, like flying spaghetti monster of a mess coming my way um, and just talking with me. And I hadn't stepped foot in a comic book store in like years and he just super friendly started talking to me and eventually I started working here. But um, I've been thinking about what to say and um, one story comes to mind, Uh, Aaron, and his infinite wisdom and stupidity left Mike and I in charge on multiple occasions. And uh, it wouldn't be infinite. It was only once. <laughs> and uh, one day we were working, and Mike and I were talking, and we had gotten really close um, in the past couple of months. And I said to him, "You know, Mike, you're kind of like my big brother, but I already have one adopted one of those, and it doesn't seem quite right." And he goes and says, "Well." Or I'd say you were like my sister, but I already have two of those, and I think they'd be kind of pissed. So, so I, I said, well, I, I guess that kind of makes us like cousins. And I'm like, yeah, like you, yeah, no cousins. And Mike's like, yeah, yeah, that makes us like what? C- cousins kissing cousins. And so, just randomly, we kissed each other and went screaming down the store, <laughs> just laughing our heads off. And, and later that night, as <laughs> and, and um, later that night, uh, we were working this event and it was getting out of control and people were drinking and laughing and by people I mean Mike and I were drinking and laughing trying to work and um and uh, I'm like Mike we have to close up shop like you have to cash out the register I need to clean this is gonna take fucking forever 
And um, we had gotten these guys to take off their shirts and dance for me for some reason. And Mike screams at the top of his lungs, if your name isn't Oral or you're not a man entertaining him, get the fuck out. (laughs) And, um, And I was thinking about that. Uh, I was thinking about that um, at the hospital when we were all waiting uh, to hear some news because we were all just shell-shocked. And uh, we finally got to see him. And I, the first two things I thought was, how did it end up like this? And the second thing I thought of, that bitch still looks better than me. And um, anytime that I've been sad and crying, I just think that, you know, what, what if anything, Mike could see me. He'd make fun of me for laughing and crying after his passing, and then he'd make fun of me for crying some more. And then he'd say, you know, cheer up, kissing cousin, look at me like he had, he was, uh, some Muppet-like thing with no eyes and run away. And it's that, that energy and that vitality that I know like no car or no injury can ever take away from Mike. Because I know that wherever Mike is, one, he's probably doing something really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> And, and two, he's always going to be with us. And um, I'm going to miss him. And I know it's... And I know that in the end, that kid lived more cats' lives than... The Three Lives of Tomasino, which I don't know why I tried to make that joke because it kind of fell flat, and I don't think he ever liked this movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. Um, Mike Pandow, friend, co-worker, drinking buddy, shitty hot mess, that's it. <laughs> you know, um, Mike's a guy who... For all, in all his craziness, it was hard for him to find a direction. Um, and one of the, uh, and you know that was <laughs> that was that was tough for a lot of reasons. It was tough on him too. Um, and uh, but he he did in a way, for at least at least times in his life, off and on, want to you know he wanted to be. He wanted to write comic books. He wanted to, he wanted to do that. And it's like, it wasn't, it was, it was difficult with Mike because he'd want something and then he'd not want it anymore or he'd just kind of lose interest and you'd be like, well, you know, what about this? And he'd be like, yeah, whatever, you know. And then he kind of get back into it and, and whatnot. But it, it was a pretty constant thing to see him wanting to be a writer. He, for when he was going to college, he was going to school for creative writing. Um, and, uh, and, and like, like Lawrence mentioned, you know, he, he wrote, he wrote a script or two and, um, I'm he there was a point where while we were after we did Dungeons and Doritos for the first time we 
you know, we, we, we did it and we're like, well, I could have gone better. And, 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 and the, the response to that episode was so insane. Like we, we, we were just, uh, it was completely opposite to what we were. Yeah. It, we, so, and we all, we all kind of had to get used to it. Like we had, we, we'd created these characters to, to do a thing and it, uh, uh, we we had we had, you know we didn't really have any anything behind them. We just kind of had like rough concepts. The one who had the the person, admittedly, the person who had the most fleshed out concept Ooh. out of all of us was Mike, um, <laughs> <laughs> a dwarf that turns there was a chair that turned into a dwarf, and and that was more than you know we had. Oh, you know, just like I, I'll I go look. I walk around. I have a wolf. I've got a, a female dragon, and I guess she's sexy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, none of them. In your own mind. Yeah. And I think, like, even with Jennifer, like, Cleveland was later added on. That wasn't even, like... Actually, I think I think, I, did. I think I came up with Cleveland, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not taking credit for that, but I, th- I, think, I think I did. We'll take credit for it. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, uh, he... There was a point where he started getting really into it. Maybe it was because the the chair thing had happened, and, and he felt like he had to kind of explain that more, and he had to do more with it. And he started he started working on this backstory for Dungeons and Doritos, and like it was it was just it was really like rough. And he, he drew a map. It's it's uh it's up online, and it's um uh and he started working on all this other stuff. And he's like, maybe we should do like uh you know a comic, and that kind of that happened. We talked about it for for ages and ages and ages, and uh. And Mike took it on as something that he was he was gonna write, and uh, and he plotted out a four issue comic series um, with with one with each issue fo- focusing on the four original characters, and we decided that it was going to be the uh, the the way that our characters met. And I am so glad that we have that like that just now, just at this moment in time, we actually can have something. Of Mike's that's that he wrote that is completely done and completely published, and Tony, in it, after this happened in, in all of his grief, he, he'd already he'd finished the he'd finished the damn thing the the day it happened, and and he's been just working like like little devil ever since. It's it's le- it's lettered, it's ready to go. I'm really the only thing holding it up right now. We're gonna have it at MegaCon, and it's I read it. It was good. It, yeah, yeah. It, I'm so happy that we can publish Mike's comic book and we're gonna I mean obviously we're gonna we're gonna finish the series Dungeons and Doritos isn't over right the next three issues (laughs) (laughs) well they they are all they're all still (laughs) see I'm gonna get a Ouija board um It's gonna take a little while it, for issue two because it's one letter at a time. Well, and also, and also, most of the conversations start with P I N. God, fucking damn it, Mike! God. As a member of the club, he's got to initiate his badge with every conversation. <laughs> that's the thing that, like, for me, highlights the, the kind of difference between Mike and Cappy. I mean, I love them both. I mean, before I, you know, I fell in love with Mike, and I'm like. Who's this weird guy with the lunch lady ass that keeps following you around? But I you prefer know, ghetto booty, thank I, you. I, I don't know. I mean, so, Cappy put all this effort and planning and everything into Nerdy Show. Originally, Nerdy Show was my thing that you know I stole from a borderline retarded person. <laughs> I, I feel really bad for that. I, re- I feel really bad for that. You know, but I mean, he was retarded. Like it's really it terrible. Was like stealing candy from a baby. I mean, seriously. But anyway, Good Cappy put so Good much. To Good to he hear. Put that. so much effort and time and planning and care and and everything into Nerdy Show when he took over it. 
And he was confiding in me at one point, I don't know if he remembers this, but he was frustrated that this Dungeon Doritos was get so much more popular <laughs> than what he put so much time and care and effort. And then Mike would just kind of like shit out this Dungeons and Doritos thing with you guys, and it was wildly popular. And he was he literally was a little bit frustrated. And I was like, just go with what's popular. And if people like that, they'll they'll seek farther into Nerdy Show if that's you know their their entry point in Nerdy Show, run with it. You know, and, and then he did. Yeah, it was so you Mike know, doesn't plan stuff and Cap does, and sometimes Mike's more successful. Cap, uh, Cap is not alone on, on, on the frustration. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm frustrated with something that, that I was uh, a lot with Mike. Uh, I mean, like, a, as his friend, it's all it's all free and easy, but but God damn it, hell, it fucking... If, if you... Heaven help you if you wanted him to fucking do something. Or like if you were his boss. Yeah, if, it, it just... It, it became really challenging. Um... And you know, as you guys might know, it um, it he's not been on a lot of episodes lately, um, and there's a there's a pretty good reason for that. Um, at least, well, there is a, there is a reason for that. I don't know if it's good or not, but there's a reason for that, and that is that um, this last year or so, Mike's been going through something, and we don't really know what it is. He we we tried again and again and again to. Um, to have him open up to us and, and try to let him help us, but he, or try, well, try, try, try to help us overcome this dyslexia. Um, uh, but he, he, he wouldn't open up. It's kind of this sort of dark passenger he's always had with him because ultimately, no matter how, how attractive or how funny or how cool Michael Pandel was, he started, he started life as a scraggly, long-haired nerd and a social reject who hung out with other social rejects at all the lurking holes of the middle schools and elementary schools. And, <laughs> and with that, here comes Brandon Gerson. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Brandon. Hey. Um, I'm here. You're here. You want to take a seat? I don't know. These mics pick up everything. They do. If you want to tell the story, there's a storytelling mic down there. When you're ready. I'm going to keep going down this train of thought here. Um... And uh, it's basically what I was getting at is that Mike, um, Mike is a nerd. Mike, Mike, no matter how how attractive he is or how he presented himself or how cocksure he was of himself, um, he he was a nerd with with real insecurities. He was the same as you know as as all of us, as all of you. Um, and and it's something that undid him in a lot of ways because. Once, once he sort of lost himself and and started trying to having trouble finding his own way. Well, the he was a he was a, a wild creature and and kind of did what he, you know, did did whatever he wanted to do and 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 was expressive of that. But it was it was it was not it was not to get attention exactly. Though of course he loved it, but. Um, I think it was to make him forget what it was that he was so afraid of. And, um, and none of us really know what, what wound him down and what hurt him because he wouldn't let us in. Um, and we, you know, we tried. The only thing we could have we done to, to, to help him out was, <laughs> you know, tie him down. Clockwork Yeah, we could just feed him all the steaky wakes and eggy wags he wants and just clockwork orange the hell out of him. But no, it didn't, it didn't go down that way. 
Um, and when he, when he was in the hospital and we had no idea how how bad off he was, but he still looked so good and we just assumed he was going to bounce out of it. And we really hoped that, okay, this is it. He's learned his lesson. Um, fact is, um, he, uh, the, uh, the day, the day we recorded the last three, ep- he, the night he died, he'd actually recorded three of those three episodes I mentioned previously. Um, and, uh, he, uh, he'd been drinking all day. He came to the, uh, he came and came home. He seemed pretty well off, but he he, he kept on drinking, and um, you know he was a little tipsy by the time he ended it. And then, and he was gonna go um, bike somewhere, possibly a bar. Um, he's going to his girlfriend. You know, gonna go see his girlfriend. Yeah, he's gonna go see his girlfriend. Um, and then maybe go to a bar. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he actually had a, a, a monologue with with Hex and I, I um, as he left that strangely. I don't know, aware. Um, he said, yeah, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I you know, I, I drive, I, but, but, you know, if, if I'm, 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 you know, I'm a little drunk, obviously, but if I drive drunk, I'm just gonna, you know, I, I could end up hurting other people, but, you know, I, I bike, I'm a bike drunk because, uh, you know, the only person who ends up getting hurt is me ultimately. And I, you know, I guess people would be sad about that, but it's something, you know, I, 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 I bike drunk a lot and I think about it and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. That's, that's, you know, I'm okay with, with that, with that risk. And, and I, and I, you know, I accept that it is, it's dangerous and, uh, uh, you know, it could kill me. What's weird is that we didn't, we're, we're used to him doing stupid shit like that. And we didn't, we're used to him saying things like that. Yeah. And we didn't, we, Hex and I weren't even, weren't even really debating that with him. We, we we didn't. Like when you say it. All the time, every day, you're just kind of like whatever. <laughs> yeah, but it felt weirdly. It was weird because he was he was telling us that we didn't even bring it up. He was just telling us that when we had the intervention, and you know, we convinced him not to drive drunk anymore. I mean, that's one of the things that, other than having sex with minors, um, <laughs> we, we convinced him was a bad idea. Not which, to, to the best of our knowledge, he didn't do. No, because he, we intervened. Yeah, we, we intervened. <laughs> so I mean, we got through with him about the driving drunk because I mean, he would do that relatively consistently and you know he had his whole thing about you know the target computer and using the force and everything when he drives drunk and you know like no I'm serious it's morbid now but I mean that's we've had these conversations we got through with him through to him on the driving drunk yeah and the bike riding see the thing was uh, Mike was an alcoholic and he would not admit it for the life of him and he would not seek help but he was an alcoholic um and he wasn't he wasn't a sad drunk he wasn't an abusive drunk but he was a man who drank to forget i think uh, he he drank to abuse and, and this stuff it was just too much problem. it was always too much and that you know what that made that meant that anybody who didn't know him and saw him partying as hard as and crazy as he was and doing all these insane things jumping off of balconies in Nerdapalooza, that made him the life of the party look at that crazy guy he's doing all that stuff meanwhile the rest of us who knew him for the longest we're sitting back being like, fucking Christ, what the hell are we going to do it with this? because he was the life of the party, because it was expected of him. And it was expect, ex- expected so much, and he did it so much to the point where he couldn't be social without being drunk. Like, if he was going out, he had to be drunk, he had to be the life of the party. So, that's what he did. It was encouraged, and he kept doing it. But people, I mean, people gave him attention and loved him that way, so he just got used to it and just... That's the only way you can be social. Here at the store, um, he was, and I told him this, I'm like, you're fun at the store. 
you know, the whole time, and you're only drunk at this store maybe 25% of the time. <laughs> you know, like, don't you get this? Don't you get this? People love you. People want to interact with you. People keep coming back to buy these shitty comics. But that's the price. That's the toll to spend five minutes with Mike. You know, he's a fucking whore. So, you know, that's, I tried to tell him, like, look, you don't have to drink at these parties. People love you. You're my employee. Don't fucking get drunk at these parties. And then he wouldn't. And he would still, everyone would love him. And I tried to get through with him on that, but... So... Just, just the same, he had a million friends before he started drinking, like, heavily. That's how, you know, the, the people that knew him from high school, that's how we met him, that's how we, we grew to love him, it's like, was sober. And it's... He was a fun drunk, to oh, an yeah, extent. No, I mean, no although we were... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There. Back in the day, we were addicted to Surge, and we were downing like a 12-pack. We were downing when it was still still around. Yeah. We were downing like a 12-pack a day. When um, Lawrence was talking, and you know, I didn't you know, want to interrupt with my snide remarks because it was so heartfelt and thoughtful, but the death by ants, I remember when you guys finally decided that you weren't going to like bring him inside after we dropped him, like, after we like granny dumped him on your front lawn, you know, that you weren't going to bring him in and clean up his, you know, well, shit pants and yeah, whatever and clean the puke but, up or whatever. Because, because Mike, <laughs> Mike would wake up, he would wake up after, after drinking all night clean and snuggly in his bed and he wouldn't have any memory of all the hell he put us through getting there. All the throw up we cleaned up. I'm not judging you at all, I'm just saying he would show up, you know, to work on Monday. I, I just want them to know. Covered in ant bites. Covered in fucking ant bites. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, oh, my fucking roommates left me in the front lawn with ants. <laughs> and he told us to do that. He said, then don't, you want me to learn a lesson? Then don't take care of me. Fine. Yeah, dude, okay, there, was, there was a day when, when Daniel brought him by, like, wasted, and they were coming through the front door, and I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no. He said I could leave him outside. Leave him the fuck outside. And then in the morning, like, mosquito and ant bites everywhere. This was years ago. This was, like, the old school. Yeah. Touch on this story a little bit because it's one of the one of the best Mike stories that there is, and um, yeah. So Aaron drops him by at the house one night, and oh, they hit his head on the pavement. Yeah, they they you know he kind of knocks on the door, and we kind of knew what it was because it happened every week. It was and it was a, <laughs> admittedly it was a really bad period. No, and and so I, I remember walking outside, and he's laying in the dirt with his like sitting Indian style with his head between his legs, and I grabbed his mohawk and pulled his head up, and there was just so much vomit that had mixed with the dirt that it was just mud dripping down his face and his chin, and like one look, and we're like, no, you're an outside Michael tonight. <laughs> And we didn't really want to leave him in the sidewalk for the, like, joggers to come by in the morning. So we kind of just dragged him up by the carport. And, uh, you know, we, me and Brandon were diligent of checking on him to make sure that nothing happened. You know, and the raccoons, the, <laughs> the raccoons and, and the ants had built a pile next to him. And, <laughs> and then sometime around three in the morning... I went out to check on him, and he was gone. <laughs> and I said, oh, Brandon, we might have just made a mistake. <laughs> and we looked, and he had rolled under one of the vehicles. We're like, okay, he's good there. And then it just happened to be, like, the last day in March. And the next morning was April Fool's, and it was trash day. And we thought, you know what would be so funny? <laughs> so we dragged him to the curb, we stacked the garbage on top of him, and we went back to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Oh, yeah, and and um, he 
he came back in, you know, sometime on his own around like six in the morning and went and and fell asleep in the bathroom. Aaron came and grabbed him for work and he just he just grabbed his pants and put his pants on and ran out the door. And when we woke up around, you know, like one o'clock because we didn't sleep all night, um, we found him back deposited in the in the uh, bathtub with the water on, and it was kind of a murky brown water. <laughs> and I I sat and talked to him because you know he's always naked, so it was nothing new. And he says, you know, Sandy, it's it's the damnedest thing. I was laying on the bathroom floor last night, and somebody stepped over me, took a shit, and didn't wipe. And I'm like. <laughs> and he's like, and then I went to work and came back and I'm taking a shower and there's mud all over my pants. I said, Mike, nobody in this house is stepping over to you to take a shit. <laughs> you might want to think about that a bit. And he looks and he goes, did I go to work with shit on my ass all day? <laughs> And I think it might have been another two weeks till he touched a beer at that point. <laughs> Baby that steps, was a good right? intervention. It was. <laughs> so all I had to do was shit himself. Yeah. It was a lot of shit. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it, was, it was divergent. What I was trying to get at from all that was that there's really, you know, a lesson to be learned about it. And, and Mike gave me a lot of a shit for, because um, I don't drink and I, I don't, uh, and like he, he always kind of held that against me because I wouldn't understand. And admittedly, None of us, I mean, we didn't drink in high school, and I kind of made a point of it, and I was, I wasn't. We did school, yeah, we did. I, well, okay, I guess I'm speaking for myself. Um, I wasn't, like, straight edge or anything, but, you know, it, it like, it, it was really shocking to me when, when we got to college, and everybody was so just, read, you know, excited to drink and everything, and, and did it really crazily, and it wasn't for me. Um, and so he never kind of forgot that, and it became impossible for me to, to talk with him about him being a drinker, because he just saw it as me being you know, a puritanical or something. Yeah, I wouldn't understand. So the thing is that, I mean, with Mike, I honestly don't feel that we could have done any more than we did right. to try to... to me and, and I approached him as a social drinker. Uh, and yeah, as a social... I don't drink alone. I, I don't, you know, like as a... I, I run a business, all right? Uh, I have a daughter. I have a wife. I have, I, you know, like as a as a guy that drinks casually, you know, I don't drink to get shit faced. And that, you know, that Mike, you need to tone it down. You need to dial it back. I mean, do you think that I'm a square? Do you think I'm a goody two shoes? I mean, this dichotomy you have between you versus Cap, it's not two extremes. It's not one or zero. Like you can be Mike and not go to such extremes with your drinking. And when we had the intervention, you know, like. It went well. I thought I got through to him about that. You know, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I go back on it as like, should I have had the same extreme thing that you had? Or, you know, I thought I was, I thought we had gotten to him. And, you well, know, he could dismiss you, but he couldn't dismiss me. He agreed with me. Yeah. Uh, you were there. He agreed with me. And Hex, you were there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't, the thing is, it wasn't entirely about, about, alcohol at all it wasn't about it, it wasn't it wasn't at all in fact it was just that was just a crutch um it was really this this emotional insecurity that, that he couldn't you know breach like we didn't we didn't tell each other we loved each other at all that was weird we'd be we'd been friends for so long it was it was getting hard for us to we've been friends and we've been open for so long that as we changed as people 
we became uncomfortable with sh- with being a new different person after time sh- like reopening ourselves up again it it became very hard for us to express to each other the same way that we would if if we were say newer friends or something it it got there a huge schism happened very silently and very slowly but it it happened and we were could never really piece it back together um and and it was in large part because because Mike was dealing with some things that he wouldn't talk about, and I mean, really, like I said, I don't I don't feel there's it was it was it was on Mike's the we were we were all ready for him, we were open for him, and we were it was all in Mike's hands whether he would choose to take us up on it or not, like to you know like being open, like helping us help him and everything, but just you know just if you ever feel like someone's drifting away from you at all. You know, don't, 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 don't go crazy. Don't get super clingy. Don't, don't get stalkerly. Um, don't be a creeper, but. I did all those things at one point. Just pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> to, to Mike, but we'll get it on that later. <laughs> um, but, you know, just do it, do what you can to try to, even as a, ch- as, you know, a changing person to try to, you know, let your, f- still be close to your friends. Because this last year, I hated Mike a lot. Um, I mean, not, not consistently. I knew that I cared about him, but I, I was so angry at him so much of the time because, because he wouldn't, he, he just couldn't get himself sorted out. And, uh, and I maybe could have stood to have told him that a bit more, but I, I did try to, you know, be open about it. But I'm just saying, if, if this sort of thing has happened to you or is going to happen to you ever, uh, you know, be aware of it. Be aware of your friendships with people. Be aware of, of what they're what they're going through, and just do everything you can to try to, to try to, you know, see if there's an opportunity for something like this to not happen. Because there were times when Mike was like feeling like you know just, just so fucking cool, and and he he wanted to like, you know, burn out before he faded away, and just be like just. You know, just be a, a fucking fucking badass who lives hard and dies young and everything, and, and leave a beautiful corpse, which he did. Yeah, <laughs> and yes, in his most nihilistic and, and cocky, irritatingly cocky of times, he he did exactly what he wanted to do, but he was a fucking asshole for it. And I don't think there's a single one of us who haven't told him, and possibly even to his face, if we had the opportunity to do so, that we think he's a fucking asshole, and he is. We absolutely love him, but he would he would agree with that statement 100% if, if he were here. But, you know, um, towards the end, especially these past, I want to say two months, I think a lot of that had a chance to sink in. Like, we, we were getting glimmers of the mic that everyone knew. Um, he developed a hernia and couldn't ride his bike and... He couldn't drink, and and even though that was kind of like a speed bump and it slowed it down, like Aaron, you saw it, like Mike was coming around, and we, you know, we were all happy about it. He was working really hard to get himself back on track, and you know, to a certain extent, he did, and he he just ran out of time. Just self-satisfied. It's exactly. Yeah, that hernia thing was actually great because I got to sit around. Oh, because like yeah, for years he's, it's just been like we've been getting more and more distant, and 
And the hernia thing, like, he wouldn't be drinking and we would hang out and actually watch TV and watch shows together and play and play video games like we used to do, like, every fucking day. And that was great. And then he got his hernia fixed and was like, damn it. <laughs> I was like, is there, and I was like, is there any chance? Is there any way we can put the hernia back? I was like, is there any chance that you might get a hernia again? And he's like, nope, they put this special mesh. And I was like, oh. You should have been like, okay, back in your leg. <laughs> yeah. Like, we could go no, back in time still drink and you put him in a wheelchair, Wait, you know? Like, yeah. Are you hobbling? <laughs> The thing is, if if you if you yourself are listening to this and you've ever thought that people don't care about you, you got no clue, dude. You got or do that. You got no clue <laughs> because I, there was something Aaron said to me today. He said, "I wish that, that this was, could be like a Christmas Carol scenario, and Mike could see all the shit that's happened because because if we told Mike." <laughs> if we told Mike that Xander from Buffy would sing songs over the phone to his ex-girlfriend on Mike's behalf. Uh, Jason Aaron would write a blog about it. That Gail Simone, who he's never met, would think, Jesus, i got to say something about this. Right. Like, and that, that, that hundreds of people would turn out to a hospital and like... That they would, I'm getting tons of crowd the ICU. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that I'm t- emails of these people that watch the videos, not Nerdy Show, the, yeah. the comic shop show videos that you know, live in other countries even that just wanted to say how much joy he brought to their life and how much they look forward to seeing the videos and how it was fun, you know? And, and he didn't it, even fucking say anything! He had great he chemistry and great comedic timing, and but... And on, uh, on Nerdy Show, just this whole wave of people from all over the world that had been impacted by him that he didn't even know. I mean, he was like, he's, goddamn, he's Mopkins' role model, for crying out loud. Uh, he could see this. Would he have been so self-destructive? Would he have been so... If he could see... Like, what he said to, to us, where he said he's only hurting himself, other people might be bummed out, but if he could have seen how many people are bummed out, how many people were hurt, not just in his own sphere of, like, immediate influence that he could see, but he had influence well beyond his concern. He, like, <laughs> that is what I'm saying. And if he could see that now and came back, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have gotten it, on that bike. It was, it was practically impossible for him to take the love that everyone was giving to him and, and the caring and everything and, and actually feel like it was his to, to have. And he had, I mean, he had a lot of, uh, gr- growing up, he, he, had a, he had a lot of problems with his, with his dad and that's something that's like that disconnection. He was something he carried with him deep, deep inside of him. Um, and I mean, we all, I'm just, I just, I know I'm rambling, but I, I just want everybody who's listening to understand that no matter who you are and what your situation is, chances are there's a lot of people who care about you, first of all. And then, like, I know what a lot of people have taken away from Mike is that they, that to live life to its fullest. And God damn it, do it. I, I love and admire the, the impression that he left on everyone, like reading all the postings, seeing all the great things that he did for people, all the, all the ways he inspired people. It's beautiful. I want that. He didn't know for a second that he had that. And if someone told him, he would have called bullshit on it. But you know what? I bet, and I, maybe, maybe a lot of us would have it, for, for our own lives. But Not th- so much me. I mean, why do, you think I <laughs> why do you think I kept him on staff so long when, you know, he was late four out of five days a week, worked like 34 hours out of a 40-hour shift. I mean, I knew that his... His role, what the connection he had with the customers and making customers friends 
was worth way more than being a stickler for being on time, being, you know, whatever. And, you know, by the time that I really dropped the hammer, it was because I was so concerned about him overall as a person and how he's living his life. Not so much, but he did. He could take someone that just met him that didn't give a shit about comics. Who knows why they wandered in here? Like we made the joke like, oh, this isn't the tattoo shop. What? You know, and make them into someone that came back every week for comics. Yeah, something that I've noticed from from all my observations is that even if you knew Mike for only two minutes, that's all it took for him, for you to remember him for life. Like, he had that kind of impact on you. Um, I'm going to steal the mic now. Please do. I'm, I'm sorry for how long <laughs> it was. Sitting in the, the I, you, you have. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Hex. I was taking fucking ages to get to my point. Just... Just love your friends. Shut up. Love yourself. I'm talking. Hex has the chair. I'm sorry. God, you're rambling on the Segway. <laughs> I have not slept. <laughs> yep. Yeah, rambling on the Segway sounds like a great spin-off film. Rambling on the Segway. Cross country on the Segway. So when I met when I met Mike, it was because I was trying to um, get a comic shop to be a sponsor for. This silly idea I had called Nerdapalooza. We hadn't had a, a really successful event yet. Um, and so it was really trying to pitch to them that uh, uh, they should give us lots of money. <laughs> and, um, and so I met uh, Mike occasionally, but I was on this kind of total business trip with uh, wanting to only talk with a comic shop. So I never really had a, that big of um, community, like, relationship with Mike until Nerdapalooza 2008 where we got to like him more so than I party and um and one of the things that really like was amazing for me was uh pretty much right afterwards when we started working on Nerdy Show and um and that's when I really got to know Mike I didn't really get to know him uh, before that, he was kind of a, more of a, 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 a mainstay of, of a comic shop. And uh, getting to know him, getting to know him, getting to know Cap, getting to know Aaron better. And uh, it, it all kept on building up until Nerdapalooza 2009, where I, I feel there was a real connection uh, that I, I was able to, to make with Mike. And, and it's just was building uh, more and more. And um there's so many memories of Mike. I can't really pinpoint which ones I love, but I like the moments that I love connecting most with him. Strangely enough, were him telling me what his favorite moments of Nerdapalooza were, because uh, he like basically he was my surrogate at at the event. He got to experience it. He got to have fun. He got to go do the partying that I wanted to do because I couldn't because I'm and so <laughs> and so it was so 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 great. To have someone, so that that instant gratification of someone going, this is why what you're doing is a great thing. I, I'm the kind of person that is always afraid that uh, what I'm doing is wrong, what I'm doing is stupid, that no one really likes it. But Mike was there to always go, no, never stop Nerdapalooza, never stop doing this. This is perfect. This is exactly what I've always wanted. Uh, and I've been, I guess this is the place to announce it. I was talking with the Nerdapalooza staff who were all as deeply impacted by me uh, uh, from this as me because Mike has been since Nerdapalooza came to Orlando he's been a he's been a draw in itself he was at Nerdapalooza's 2008 to 20, uh, 2011 and 
it's it's so hard to imagine an event a year without him. And so Nerdapalooza 2012 is going to be dedicated to the memory of uh, Triforce Mike. And um, I also, a lot of the people on the Nerdy Show forums were talking about how they, they really want to make it, uh, try to come out to this Nerdapalooza to hang out. And I really want to put, I haven't talked to the Nerd, Nerdy Show staff about this, but I, I definitely want to make it an official meetup. And uh, there's going to be some time where, a certain set of time where, fuck, I will say, here, Aaron, you are in charge of the event. I need to go hang out with Nerdy Show. Because if there's one thing I, I, I walked away with from this is that so many people got to know Mike secondhand from listening to the podcast, from, from being a fan of his, but didn't really actually get to experience Mike firsthand. And, and I, I feel they were, they were robbed of that experience. And, and so many people were looking forward to this Nerdapalooza to finally be the chance to meet him. And if this is their one chance to, to since Nerdy Show is a part of these people's lives in a way that I will never even be able to fathom, uh, we need to make a, to uh, make a chance for, so that they can actually experience the real Cap, the real Hex, the real whoever is available for that, that meetup so that they won't have this regret of, I never got to know this person for sure again. And so... Um, That's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to lose a lot of fans. Here's what we're going to do. See, I, I took a cast of his face, and we're going to wear these really creepy masks, and then we're going to fondle you. Um, we, we're going to have a room. It's, um, it's going to be called the Triforce Mike Experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have a room where a bunch of people are just, just uh, roll, rolling around making those kind of like weird like sounds that the putties from Power Rangers make, and, I, and, and, uh, and we're just going to molest the fuck out of you. <laughs> and they're all... <laughs> All clad in speedos. And so, we'll literally molest the fuck out of you. You will no longer want to have sex after this experience I, um, because nothing will compare. <laughs> I, I just got a text message from Lefty Lu Lucy which says, um, I just caught myself looking at a chair lovingly. <laughs> and uh, we actually... Um, she, like I said, she's uh, uh, well, she's she's traveling right now, and uh, and she, she, the skyping situation is difficult for this particular recording. So we've recorded a uh, a separate track with her, and now is a good time to play it. So with us right now, on the uh, on the phone is uh, Lefty Lucy, who is uh, in the middle of touring across the country right now, um, with a with a sideshow performance. And I believe were well, you stranded in Arizona right now? Uh, we just made it back to California a few hours ago. Um, I was uh, stranded in Phoenix um, when I first found out and spent the next 18 hours um, as everything kind of unfolded uh, driving in a car from Phoenix to up way, 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 way upstate California. Jeez. Well, um, certainly uh, the rough time that we've... <laughs> All had with the news is not made any better by the circumstance that we just wanted to wanted to make sure that we got to spend time together talking about it with with everybody from the Nerdy Show family that we could. And uh, I remember, I think the first time that you and Mike met was probably the first time that you and I met, mm -hmm. which was uh, Nerdapalooza two thousand and ten. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and we just we just wanted to interview the Epic Win Burlesque Girls. Nothing. <laughs> and then it turned out one of them was a listener of the show, which <laughs> surprised the hell out of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um I remember you guys like coming up and asking for an interview and taking us to the sitting room in the back, and Mike was just being a goofball as Mike is wont to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he and I didn't really like really become buddies until this past year at Nerdapalooza um, when you guys like, you know, had me fly out early and I stayed at the Nerdy Show house and uh, uh, Mike was able to gay, get a day off of work from a comic shop. Was, and that, was that a Freudian to- slip? Mike was able to gay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a slip. <laughs> um, anyway... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. He got to go to Disney World with me and uh, Mary Sin from Epic Win and Ben Trivet, who documented much of the Nerdapalooza experience this year. And yeah. uh, it was his first time going to Disney World in a really long time. Uh, and like most adults who I convinced to go to Disney World or Disneyland, uh, he was skeptical at the level of fun he would have. Um, but by the time we Finished drinking around the world at Epcot and uh, got him off of the new Star Tours, which has like a variety of different experiences. He was babbling. He was nerdgasming all over the place over (laughs) Star Wars, like to the point where like you could tell like some switch had just gone off in his brain and he no longer had control over the flow of nerdery coming out of his mouth. And I just had to like. I literally just put my hand at the top of his head and slowly like brushed it over his face to get him to calm down. <laughs> um, it was really, it was really fun. Um, uh, and another thing that day, like obviously we'd been, we'd been drinking around the world and, uh, as you do stopped in Japan to watch these really cute ladies do a live drum presentation thing. Um, and, when we turned around, we had lost Mary and Ben. And so we wandered into a back alley in Morocco and just, <laughs> we just like, we were so like, it was so hot and we were so drunk. We just collapsed in a back alley in Morocco and texted Ben and Mary. We're in a back alley in Mar- Morocco. Find us. <laughs> and, uh, that's actually where my, my current Facebook profile picture is from is us just completely wrecked in a back alley in Morocco at Disney world. Um, but you know more after that you know more so you know Mike and I really got to bond over the last year Um, I went through a divorce this summer and he totally like talked me through a lot of shit and you know we would play we would play this game called therapist where like I'd call him out on his bullshit and he'd call me out on mine and and then we'd curse each other for being right and then you know become better people like you do um, and that was, that was, you know, that was a cool thing about Mike was like, he had this, he has this Triforce persona and this character and everything that he's so giving of himself with. Um, and beyond that character, there's still so much more. A lot of people who knew him through his retail persona, there's, there's Triforce Mike on Nerdy Show, who was very similar to Triforce Mike at a comic shop. But, but the Triforce Mike persona for some people was a, was a, depending on... <laughs> Depending on how much of a salesman he was being that day, it could get really, uh, it could be really, really, really intense. And some people only uh, didn't realize how much of a of a persona it was, like a confidence building persona. So, mm-hmm. 
What did you learn about the real Michael Pandel? Oh, he, I mean, he's incredibly kind and giving and anyone who pays enough attention to notice that there are a variety of Mike Pendels seem to like level up for him. I definitely, I definitely know like I, I, there were, there were a couple key moments where I would be like, Oh, you're being Triforce Mike. And he'd be like, you are correct. Bonus points. And <laughs> the real Triforce Mike was just to me, um, a more sincere and, uh, you know, human version of, of the caricature. Uh, I'm sure we got together or got, got along because we were both cartoons um, in our daytime lives. It's nice when you find other cartoons in the real world. If, if he was still here, what would you say to him? Ah, fuck. You know what I think? I guess that's something I appreciate about my friendship with Mike is uh, it was so present in every day that I didn't leave lingering you know, regrets, things I didn't get to say or or things I felt he didn't get to say. Like, we were very open with each other and upfront and comfortable. And uh, I guess that, you know, that in itself is pretty nifty. just listened to was the studio rendition of we fight ganon by i fight dragons and uh as uh, as you can guess that was a fitting tribute to uh to to mike who uh one of my i guess one of the things that i can take console consolation from and all this is that for some reason facebook and its uh, beautiful automation decided to uh, uh file every single post tagged triforce mike 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Under the universe of The Legend of Zelda. So as I posted, uh, I'm now taking that as a sign that Mike is now canon in the Zelda universe. <laughs> he's not just canon. He's, he's arm, arm cannon. He's arm cannon. He's going up and he's saying, excuse me, princess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's been, it was difficult. I was, uh, I was at the hospital. Tony and I rushed over and cracking bad jokes the whole way there. And, and uh, the way I deal with, sil- uh, deal with grief is uh, in silence because uh, with this kind of stuff, if I start talking, I'm just going to start bawling. Like, uh, until 5 p.m. today, I couldn't read that sentence at the end of the Protoman email that they sent out saying pretty much the equivalent of, Mike, you are a furious beast, and uh, all of us at the Protoman will miss you. And uh, I couldn't even read that without out loud without completely shutting down. And um, it's been a rough couple of days. Um, and... I can't. I just. It's. It's unfathomable that he's just gone. Yeah. So. I don't know how to go from here. Me next. Brandon next. And <laughs> you can lower it, man. Tell us a nice story about Anhinga Frank, the Christmas bird. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brandon. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> so, oh God, I don't even know what to say. I've known Mike probably longer than anyone else besides his family. I've known him about 16 years, and I've lived with him for half of that. <laughs> exactly. Um, he is more of a brother to me and a family member than my actual family and my actual brothers, which is, I guess, not saying a lot, <laughs> if you know me, but, but no, he was, he was my family and he was my brother. So this all sucks, but I've known him so long to the point where I know that most of the shit that has happened to him in his life was his own fault. You know, that he would, he would do something or hurt himself, and, it, and my first response is to yell at him. Um, and it was the same this time. The first thing in the hospital when I saw him was like, you know, way to go, asshole, <laughs> as I said it to him. Um, because I, I know him that well. I can say that. So the first time I met him, 
I can't actually remember because he told me this and I don't even remember. He claims <laughs> that in fifth grade we met because we were in different schools and for some reason there was an event where some dude brought a Florida Panther into the school <laughs> for people to see. As you do. Yeah. And uh, in Flo- and it's a Florida tradition. Um, <laughs> and he said we met each other there and then he saw me and I saw him and like, we didn't talk. Did you it, it, no, it wasn't romantic. <laughs> well, he says we did. Um, but romantic. the next year in sixth grade, we went to the same school. Um, we had the same class, um, the same teacher, like the whole year. So how we became friends is, and man, my memory sucks. He's usually the one that has to correct my stories because his memory is great. Um, and correct me if you know this, <laughs> Sandy. So I think either he or I... Probably him, because I suck at drawing. Uh, we're drawing a Moogle from Final Fantasy 3 that came out. Or, or 6, sorry. In America, it's 3 on the fucking cartridge. And so he's drawing a Moogle, and I was like, oh my god, is that a Moogle? He's like, you like Moogles? I like Moogles too. Let's be friends. And that's basically it. <laughs> and that's what started the 16-year saga. And then, and then like the next day, every time the teacher would leave, I guess during middle school, I don't even remember what year, Jurassic Park was big. So we got hugely into raptors, and Mike was obsessed with dinosaurs. And so... Every oh time my the, god! Every yeah, there was dude. Every time the teacher would walk out of the class, we would jump up on the desks, <laughs> and like, and all the students would just be sitting there going, "What <laughs> the fuck?" We would jump up on the desks on opposite rooms, like hop up on two feet and put like our little hands out, like little raptor claws, and then we'd just be like. <laughs> and yell at each other and then we would just charge each other in the middle of the class on the desk hopping and like beating each other up and he would always win I know you think but that the sounds like it isn't in, real the, it is real yeah the teacher would come in and we'd be like we'd just run back to our seats and, the, and all the class like all the classmates would be like what the fuck the, just the happened behavior, uh, continued into high school yeah no we still we still tried to do it into high school too but we couldn't get away with it as much as some kids were like hey these dudes are just being a bunch of fucking weirdos they need to be committed they thought you were retarded well, I mean well we, he did ride the short bus so I met him on the bus. Exactly the bus. It was not a short bus, but he was having sex with a stuffed Pikachu. (laughs) We all we all I kept it. Before or after he had sex. Well both. (laughs) So yeah, that's that's the first time I met Mike. Um, and I was there the first time he drank as well, because it was the first time I drank, and we went to this party and you were there, Sandy, and I probably can't remember much except that uh, Captain Morgan was my best friend <laughs> for the party, and we drank more than I could probably handle today on that night. I drank like ten shots of something. And you were you were very you were longing for Michael the entire night. Let's not and- t- yeah, let's not talk about that. But <laughs> I do remember there was a weird point in my life where I was a bit too obsessed with him, and things got weird. But we handled that. We did. We handled it well. And then it kind of went in the reverse way later on, which is weird. He became the weird one. He would be like he and then like he would always care about me to the to, to the obsessive point where he would be having sex with a girl he didn't really was or wasn't really interested in and just be like call me up on the phone while he's having sex I'm like dude what's up or or he would like t- be talking about me in a serious conversation during sex and all the girls or would be like what the fuck are you doing your name or he'd be screaming my name but again completely true <laughs> all true things but you know that's just who he was and who I was so we, we fed off of each other a bit in that way. But yeah, the first time we ever got drunk, he also drank way too much. Yeah, and he, I pretty much remember like pulling him by his hair that was down to his shoulders at that time and long and lanky and disgusting. And uh, he was um, face first in the toilet, like gurgling the water. Oh. And <laughs> okay, Mike, <laughs> we're gonna go upstairs now <laughs> and put you to sleep. 
Who, and, who was it who carried him upstairs? Nick, Nick carried him, and his head might have banged against the stairs a few times. And <laughs> I, the only part I remember, besides the drinking, was that you were yelling at me to get away from him, and um, I was... I needed, I, was to, I needed to help him, you, you were fondling him. You, um... <laughs> okay, he was like... I thought, I thought he was, like, dead. I thought he wasn't breathing. He was, like, laying there, and I'm, like, crying over him, apparently. Going, oh my god, call 911. Call 911. Like, I've never been drunk before. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I've never seen <laughs> I, a drunk person. I love I'm like, drunk kids. And I'm like, call 911. Call 911. And Sandy's like, shut the fuck up. He's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change him. I'm, and, like, they're holding a sheet in front of me so I can't wash. They're like, we know you want to see him naked, but we're holding a sheet in front of him. <laughs> like, like, we're going to change him. Just stay over there. He's going to be okay. And I'm just like, oh, call 911. I'm going to call 911. Like, no, don't call 911, idiot. That was the first day I saw Mike's pee pee. Yep, that's the first day and you saw his pee-pee. Yeah, then every day after that. Yeah, then, then every day. <laughs> so that was the first time we ever drank. And then we kept drinking ever since. So that was pretty much it. That's he my, my early experience. that night, unlike most other nights. Oh my god, let me, she, let me tell you. There was, <laughs> we went to uh, um, Bob's birthday. Bob Rayson, I'm saying his last name. You can do whatever you want with it. God. <laughs> and you were, like, how old? Oh, I don't even remember. It was... Ugh, anyway. Middle school? Yeah. We, we had a sleepover, and for some reason, Mike doesn't know when he's about to take a shit. <laughs> and, and like, like even, even this past year, he still hadn't learned how to, how to fart when he had diarrhea and not let it all come out at once. 28 years old. Yeah. So he once took a shit in Bob's bathroom by accident. He was like, oh my god, I gotta poop. And he pulled his pants down, and on his way... <laughs> To Bob's toilet, it all came out, and when he got to the toilet, there was nothing left. <laughs> the funny thing is that there was a bunch of grout in the floor, like the tile with like the real like grout, and so all like the, the grouting shit uh, turned brown. It was like in there. It just mixed so in. He had to. It he just went to mixed sleep. in, man. Yeah, he had to spend the rest of the uh, the next morning, I think, scrubbing Bob's bathroom floor. With, I think a toothbrush was the only thing he had that would fit. It's true. So because we wanted to keep it a secret from his parents <laughs> <laughs> that he shit all over the floor. Yeah, that's that was that was was not the first or the last time he did that. You know, though, it was it was pretty much like at least once a year. Every year since then, that Mike has shit his pants in public, <laughs> and. You know, it would be at work, and he'd call me up and be like, "Oh my God, I had to borrow money to get a pair of pants from the mall because I shit." Myself. Oh my God, I remember that when he shit, he shit his pants at the mall, and he was spending. He was like, "Didn't he call someone to come there and bring him pants or buy him pants?" And no, yeah. one, no one would sell him pants in the mall. And he would ask people, and he's like sitting there with no pants and like Sam Goody or something. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember. That. Day. Yeah, I was like, oh, then, that day was fucked. Like, that was that was even like there were earlier ones. Like back in high school, he was really sick. This, this one week. Was this the like this, the one where commando? You should tell this one. It, yes. This is the bathroom explosion. This this is the first time I I knew about Mike having a a problem with his bowels. Um, Take it away. And, and and also I'd like to preface this by saying um, our our journalism teacher when when he read Mike's account of this story said that he should have a career in journalism. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, so basically, Mike was coming into school one day, into high school, and uh, I think it's very well, it's very well captured in the blog entry that he wrote, and it, I think maybe we should link that here, because if, if it, it's if a beautifully it, written it piece. It may not, I, I believe it doesn't exist anymore, but if it does, we'll, we'll punt it down. Oh, we have to pray for live journals backups. Live journals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, so from the story, he's sitting on the bus, 
apparently <laughs> coming in, not feeling too well. Um, and there's something brewing. <laughs> uh, there, there was a bit of poo gas coming out. <laughs> and so he finally, the bus like painstakingly pulls into high school and opens up the door and he comes running off. <laughs> and he's making triumphant run for the toilets, which are on the second floor of the school. Because they, yeah, because they lock all the ones for some reason. Because we went to school in the ghetto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we did. And he's, so Mike comes running up the staircase, dodging however many people are around. And apparently as the foot hit the top of the stairs, <laughs> relief came. <laughs> Yeah, just, just a little. Um, and he then proceeded to, I, I'm guessing, I mean, that's what I do when I shit myself. I, I grab the shorts and you pull them forward. So you kind of see a, a little bit. Um, yeah, you, you, you create a bit of a seal for the back of Jenna. So you don't, you don't leave any trails. Um, and so he gets into the, the not very clean Deerfield Beach toilets. Well, I remember he, he kicked open the door and yeah. there was another kid there. <laughs> <laughs> and as he, as he flung open the door to the stall and all this starts dripping down his leg, the kid runs screaming from the bathroom. <laughs> uh, so Mike proceeds to take care of business as he could. Which and, was an explosion. Which was, it was apparently an explosion, leaving the pants Unrepairable, just we, unusable. It was on the walls. Yeah. <laughs> it was overflowing the pot. <laughs> and, like, and, and then coming from my perception of this story, Mike proceeded to proudly walk into our corridor where we sat mm-hmm. waiting for school to start. And told us the story. Didn't he call us over and said, I've got something to show yeah. you? Yeah, and, and, and he's, like, he's like, you have to see what I've done. He's like, you know, it's not a really good feeling yeah. when you're a grown person and you've just shit your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Yeah. So we all, we all kind of cautiously make our way towards this very smelly toilet bathroom, as you'd call it. Um, and we walk in. And they're in the cubicle, which he's kicked open the door, sprayed shit everywhere. <laughs> he's proudly hung his pants as un- his underwear oh. <laughs> on the on the handle of the toilet. And we never so, removed it. We never took it down. So that I guess it just made it that much more harder <laughs> to clean up. No, and it, it was actually from that day on that he never wore. Underwear again. That was the yeah. last time you wore And I think that's probably <laughs> the seed, the seed that started. You know, started like, the, the, best, the best part might have been though is like after we've you know filmed this and documented it, like you know proper journalism students should. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were and, in um, a journalism program. Yeah, we we left so. we left the bathrooms and then. The janitor came in and opened the door and dropped, <laughs> dropped to her knees, sobbing. <laughs> I actually remember one of the lines from Mike's account of it, or something very close to it. It'll be it'll be a fairly accurate paraphrasing, but just to give you a, an impression of the sort of, sort of prosaic delivery, um, you, you, it, I think it was it, the, the climactic cru- crux of this was something like. Um, the unholy ar- dark army march from its base camp, the base camp of my bowels. 
<laughs> like, or, or sprinted forward. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it, it was like one of those lines that will vaguely be recalled by me. It will vaguely live on yeah. in some it was something like that. It was great. Um, I, I remember when I read that, I just, I, I, I was laughing so hard. I, I fell out of my chair. It was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Top that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the real mic. <laughs> Covered an answer. Yeah, yeah. Hi everybody. Hi. Hi Tony. I'm I'm Tony. Like like I said before, I'm the artist person. I've I've only known Mike for a couple of years, but I consider him to be one of my best friends, which is kind of funny considering one of the first things he told me was that talking to me made me made him want to kill himself. <laughs> that it might have been. <laughs> I one of my first experiences with Mike was coming into the store and I, I was a bit mouth breathery when I first started interacting with the people who were here because I wanted so desperately for people to like me here and for some Sonic comics, and for some Sonic comics because those are way past cool those things are working against each other you know? I, I yeah but I, I came to the shop a few times. Clevenger had a few signings, and I hovered awkwardly, and I tried to talk to Mike because he seemed approachable, and yeah, I, I was starting to drive him to suicide, it seemed. But I kept coming back because I was an idiot. <laughs> and I eventually, I was such a fan of the shop here that I told him I wanted to draw the guys here as superheroes. So I went to Aaron, and Aaron said he wanted to be drawn as the Green Lantern, because he loved Green Lantern. Eric said he wanted to be drawn as the Phoenix, because he's gay. <laughs> and Mike, when I asked Mike, being the giant asshole that he was, he told me he wanted to be the cock. <laughs> And he, I knew he was being a dick, because I'm not that blind, but I, he said, no, like the rooster, and I said, yeah, I get you. And when I came back with the drawing, which I'm going to give Cap the solo picture I did of him as the cock, I, I made it so that the silhouette of his costume formed two balls in a shaft. <laughs> nice. And with that, apparently, he decided that I was worth investing some time in. <laughs> and as I, as I got to continue knowing Mike, he was, we determined that the two of us were the same person that made different choices in life. We both suffered from criminally low self-esteem, and he was, he was so much one of my best friends, and... I would come into the shop, and I would stay here for hours. I, I hung around with Mike when he was working to the point where Aaron was away for a week, and he sent Mike an email that said, you need to keep working, no Baldini. <laughs> I remember that. It was like a word of no Baldini. <laughs> I got that same email from Jason that said, don't let Jay Jones drag you down. <laughs> Fuck Jason Blanchard. But Mike... Mike was so much my creative partner. We, we did the 24-hour comic day two years ago, and he fucking flaked out on me after a bit. But he did write the script that year, and he blew me away because 
I had this concept that I've been dealing with since I was 13 year old, 13 years old, which is just a chick with an axe. And he turned it into this spawning post-apocalyptic epic that tied back to Samson from the Bible. And I was just staring at it going, you took a chick in a halter top and made her a biblical pariah. What? And he just went to sleep after he said, yeah, I'll be there the entire time. I'm going to keep you awake. No, that was Red Bull's job. Something I do want to stress is that Mike was an asshole. The, the second a comic <laughs> shop. <laughs> the second, the second 24 hour comic day we were going to do, I was all geared up because it was like, you know what? This time he's not going to be working. He's going to be there the whole night. We're going to write a truly fucking epic story. And he stayed, stuck around for two hours after showing up an hour and a half late, and I didn't see him again. And you know, Tony, it, that really killed me. That was one of the, the things that really destroyed me. The, the thing that was amazing, though, was I wanted, I wanted Mike to be a part of my wedding. I got married last year, and I wanted him to be one of the groomsmen. Financial reasons made, him, made it so that he had to back out, and... He was still there, he was still a part of it, but he, he came to my bachelor party, and he apologized for doing that. And that, that's Mike so much there. He's this giant dick who will tell you things and be a complete shit to your face, and then apologize when he realizes what he's done and show you the person that he really is beneath all of his posturing and what he says. One of the things that... It sticks with me more than anything else about Mike was there was a time, there was a party at the shop. I don't remember exactly what was going on. Mike was rather drunk, so it was par for the course. And he told me that he didn't necessarily know about any kind of omniscient being or God or what have you, but he said that meeting me made him believe that there was some sort of a higher power because he felt like we were destined to get together, that we were best buds, and I never really knew. I still don't feel like I deserve that because I didn't know him that long. I didn't... There are people here at this table who flew from England to, to be here today who have known him for 16 fucking years. And... I, I don't feel like I deserve for him to have called me his best friend because I feel like there are people who were more deserving of that title, but I, I loved that man. He was brilliant, he was wonderful, and he introduced me to the dangers of whiskey and what it does at Nerdapalooza. <laughs> because my one homosexual experience was making out with Mike Pandell at Nerdapalooza Whoa. last year. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I don't so the wife knows about it already. <laughs> I'll bet she does. I'll bet she, she went, does. She she his uh, for days after that days it'd be like I'm going to go hang out with Mike. She's like don't make out with him. <laughs> She'd get worried. <laughs> Mike was and forever will be one of my best friends and my creative soulmate and the Dungeons and Doritos comic I will pour every bit of effort that I can into every ensuing issue to make sure that it is a lasting legacy to the plot and the characters that he put forth, and it is going to blow your fucking minds. Woo! Woo! Oh my god, I found a picture of me from 1998. Oh, Jesus, let me say. <laughs> wow. 
Let's be real. I don't know who got this or You where. look like you're you look yeah. like Fred Savage. There's something from there's something in there's something from Colin in this. <laughs> oh, Colin, do you want to read this? Sure, I'll read it. Colin, I think you should read this. <sighs> but uh, I don't know what grade I was in. It's on the cover page, so it's fitting. This is uh, this is Mike's eighth grade year in middle school. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is I, actually it's funny. I, I met I met Mike. Uh, well, I guess okay. Um, I met Mike in um, eighth grade uh, at Pompano Beach Middle School. Um, I had come from a private school where we it was all um, it was a, a Montessori school. Um, that was uh, pretty insular. Um, everybody kind of knew each other and everybody kind of grew up with each other. And um, uh, eighth grade was when I decided that uh, I wanted to come over to Pompano Beach and learn how to do um, broadcasting and, um, um, and journalism. And uh, Mike, um, Mike, uh, it was really funny because Mike basically told me that uh, I, I didn't really have, I didn't have that many friends. I mean, I, I, you know, I was relatively personable, so I, you know, I was making some friends, but I wasn't, I didn't really meet like a core group that I was into. And um, one day um, I was talking to the group of friends that I'm now a part of, um, and uh, uh, one of them challenged, basically, you know, in middle school, and one of them challenged my, you know, acceptance, and Mike said, no, I've talked to this kid. He masturbates. He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but which, which I would like to point out was a huge difference, because I was in eighth grade the year after that, at the same school. Yes. And whereas you guys were all like, oh, yeah, we jack off all the time. There's just a bunch of kids just chit-chatting about how you jack off and everything. So, <laughs> so, so, then, so then I'm in science class or something, and, like, I'm, I'm talking to some girl, and I'm, and I'm like, I'm, I've known Colin since I was, like, an, like, uh, fucking forever this, yeah like yeah. like two years three years old yeah um like <laughs> some girls talking about just like like whatever stuff i'm like and, and it comes up somehow it comes up that like like uh oh yeah <laughs> uh, like like uh you know like she was, she was, i think she was saying something weird about like masturbating like it was some like like really like sketchy thing i'm like i masturbate everybody masturbates what are you talking about and uh and she's like oh, really are you sure i'm like yeah i mean she's like and she's I'm like blah blah blah. What you you don't? She's like girls can do that. I'm like <laughs> I'm like yeah yeah they they can. And like it just got really weird. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the school knew that I masturbated. <laughs> <laughs> and like so, I know it was a bit weird, but I, I know that. <laughs> but but all the same. That shouldn't be strange because then a kid, this, this, this little kid, like two, two classes younger than, than me, comes up and he's like, yo, 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 you, you cat blackguard? I'm like, y yeah. He's like, I hear you masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> and he just walks away. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And Colin's like, oh yeah, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> hey, you missed it by a year. You know, Cap was a year behind. Yeah, us, but masturbating yeah. was cool the year before, but afterwards it was. Mm. It was passe. Yeah. Right. You weren't written yeah. in the book. No, I was. I just. I wanted. No, that wasn't in the book. Wanted an excuse. <laughs> no. wanted an excuse to tell that story. Yeah. No, but basically, so. Um, but uh, to give a backstory, of, that gives a backstory of what I wrote in in, in his yearbook. Um, but which actually reminds me of the story that I wanted to talk about with Mike. Um, was that in in eighth grade we had this thing for anarchy, 
I don't know. We all did. We all, it was, but it was, no, but this wasn't like a, we all had a thing for anarchy. It was like a, we were running down the fucking hallways chanting anarchy type shit. Like it was, it was like, it was, it was crazy stuff. Well, um, we were going to lunch and, um, the, (laughs) our class went crazy and, um, led by Mike, um, and, and, uh, we were ripping down, um, the posters from the walls, uh, <laughs> shouting and screaming anarchy, 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 as we're scre- re- re- you know, just, just grabbing all these posters from the walls and just ripping them up and throwing them everywhere. And they had like pictures of our principal and, you know, and, you know, et cetera. So, um, the teachers eventually caught up with them and, uh, not all of us got in trouble, only Mike and um, this other kid, Brigham, got in trouble. And um, when we went to lunch, they had to sit separately from us. And we were actually, the way that our lunch room was set up, that it was basically, you know, it was a cafetorium. So, you know, there was the, the stage and then there was the, you know, where everybody ate lunch. I've never heard that word before, but, yeah. but I understand what you mean. Yeah, auditorium, ca- cafeteria. Um, so anyway, they separated, you know, what the bad kids get separated. But basically what happened was they put Mike and, and Brandon um, separate, separate from all of us, and they happened to put them on the stage. Um, <laughs> yes, they put them on the stage, and then um, which they, when they realized, which when they realized that they were on the stage, they then turned to the entire school who was eating lunch and got everyone in the school to chant anarchy, anarchy, anarchy. And so it was like the best moment ever. And like, and the teachers had no idea what to do because there were these two students who were just running across the stage back and forth. Anarchy, anarchy, yeah, yeah. And Mike's just going fucking nuts and he's just like jumping up and down. Fortunately for you guys, that was pre-Columbine. I know, it was, it was pre-Columbine. So that's, but anyway, um, that's a backstory for, for a lot of backstory for basically what I wrote in his yearbook, his, his uh, Pompano Beach uh, nine, 1998 yearbook, which was, <laughs> may your cock be plentiful with jizz, and you get your dick sucked multiple times, and have a lot of money to pay for the whores. <laughs> Anarchy symbol, Colin Peterson. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, no, that was and that and, and that and that's uh, that was uh, that was Mike. But I, I have to say, moving to Nashville um, uh, has allowed for me to not really be a part of Mike's life that I used to be. Um, but um, one of the things that has uh, was really uh, gotten to be really important for with me um, with Mike was actually uh, our time that we spent together on D and D, and um, you can kind of tell. Um, when Barty and Chair kind of get a little uh, out of control. And, um, I'm surprised those two didn't start chanting everything. Yeah, well, it's just like, it's, it's, it's kind of the way that we were in life, is that Mike was always this like unstoppable force, and I was always the guy saying, yeah, do that. <laughs> and, and he would. And so it was just a really fun team, and, and um, I'm, I'm really going to miss that. I'm really, I'm really gonna miss that. Um, so, uh, to Mike, uh, I have to say that I have enjoyed um, 
all of our time together, whether it be in a cafetorium, <laughs> uh, shouting anarchy, or uh, in the middle of, a, of an elven encampment. Um, uh, yes, placing bets and grifting uh, uh, elves for arrowheads. Um, yeah, so I, um, I don't, uh, honestly, honestly, I do not know where um, I'm going to go, uh, where, where, where that dynamic is, it's, that's, uh, I'm really going to miss that, so. Um, who's next? Brian? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I don't know, this has been such a special night, because I've known Mike about as long, I guess, as Hex has, and a couple other guys, through the store, and, uh, I mean, it's, you get such an interesting dynamic coming in as a customer and meeting him and hanging out and, and doing the whole comic shop experience. And, and then when we started Flame On, it was, it was so cool because, you know, Mike's sexuality was always such a, uh, yeah, <laughs> flexible, uh, you know, immutable or immutable material that I always kind of thought, well, you know, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a gay nerdy show thing and we had, you know, like Mike on both sides of both shows doing, you know, going back and forth. But um, I always just, you know, he was always such a mystery to me and getting to know him through the store and then through Nerdy Show and Flame On has just been, it's been really cool. And I, the, probably the most, there's two things about Mike and myself that I, I you know, I, I think about a lot recently. One is Doctor Who. And I mean, Mike was my Doctor Who, like, best friend. Like, that was the one thing every time I would come into the store, if the, you know, Tennant or Eccleston and then Tennant and then, you know, now Smith, every episode I would come, you know, back for my books and, well, how would you think? Did you like, did you like Moffat this week? Was it good? Did you, do you miss Davies? Do you freaking hate Davies? You know, what, what's, what's your, you know, what's your take? And I mean, he was for a while, like the only guy I could talk to about that. Um, so that, that was something we've, I mean, from really pretty much the beginning, since I started coming to the shop. And uh, the other thing, um, you know, just a quick story, nothing nearly as memorable as what you guys have experienced with Mike. I mean, this is, no, you can't beat poop or (laughs) silver penises or I don't know. He, I I have these Christmas parties every year, my partner and I, and we had a couple years where we had a stripper, a male stripper. And I told him about this at the, the store. I'm like, hey, Mike, you know, I, you know we're going to have a male stripper. At one point, I even asked him, like, would you want to do this? Not because I thought he'd be really, you know, hot, but he'd be very entertaining, to say the least, as a male stripper, right? <laughs> Especially with the silver. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, he actually showed up to one of my Christmas parties. I think I had invited him a couple of years, and, uh, and he showed up. And it was, it was him and two people who I'd, I think I had seen at the store, but I had no idea. And none of them are here today, I don't think. But... And it was so awkward because, you know, most of my friends are a little older and we're all just kind of hanging out and drinking. And he comes in with his two little younger friends and they're very awkward and standing there. And so he has like a drink and he's like, hey, hey, what's up? Yeah. So when's the stripper getting here? And the stripper <laughs> was like running late, you know, it wasn't going to be until midnight or something. I'm like, man, I don't know. He's they're coming. Oh, my, my friends really are kind of awkward. They don't they don't like this scene. Oh, I'm like, you know, hey, what are you going to do? So uh, he uh, he stayed for about five minutes, and, you know, had a drink and left. <laughs> he didn't get to see the stripper. He didn't get to see the stripper. I know he missed out. He missed out. Really, but uh, I mean, I I hope you guys listening understand. I mean, I think you, I really think you do, based on the, just the forum response and all the stuff. How 
whether he was being an asshole or uh, an angel, you know, whether he was being intellectually stimulating or complete, like, horn dog, you know, pervert, whatever. I mean, shit in his pants or waxing poetic about Doctor Who. The man was a force of nature. And the fact that he's gone at such an age that so many people like Janis Joplin, Henderson, and God, Kurt Cobain, I mean, all these great bright candles that, you know, have passed from this world, that he is among them in a sense is, is, is truly a legend. And I don't wish that he had gone, but I know his memory is going to burn so brightly in all of our lives and hearts for so many years. That's a legacy that you can't beat. I can only hope for my life to be as memorable and have as much effect on my friends as, as he is, as his had. So I think that, uh, God bless him. And, uh, I hope he's, uh, enjoying whatever party he's at right now. So. And Jonah takes the stage. Um, I really didn't know Mike as well as most of the people here, but I've known him for a few years now. Um, I first met him uh, when I, I'm work, I've been working at Plan Trade Oviedo for about three years now. And Plan Trade Oviedo does uh, some events with a comic shop from time to time. So he would often be the person to come in to like, arrange those. And that's pretty much how I met him. Uh, he would come in, and I thought he was really fun. Like, I, uh, I, I mean, the thing about him is it's taken this last day of reflection to realize that he's actually had a big influence on my, my current life here because when I first moved here, uh, lived here about four years now, and I, it took a long time for me to really get established and to meet people because I'm kind of shy. It's hard for me to open up, but his familiar face really helped out with that, just knowing him from him coming into my store, seeing him at the comic shop. Uh, it just... I, I don't know, that it really helped me out because I knew when there was an event going on at the comic shop that, oh, well, I don't really know many people, but I know him, so that maybe I will go check it out. And I did, and he was always so welcoming to me. So that was, I, I don't know, that really affected me, even though I've never really had a real connecting moment with him like most of the others here. That, that just, that did affect me, though, just that he was nice to me when I barely knew anyone else. And I, I just really feel the loss of him now because I would, I would see him everywhere. Anytime I'd go to any events around town, there he was. And it, just seeing him there, it made me feel more at home because I, I knew, well, I don't know many of the people here, but there's Mike, and I could always go talk to him for a bit, and then I'd feel comfortable, and I did. So it's, it's just not going to be the same without him. There's such a huge energy that's lost. I, it's, I just don't know. That's really all I have to say. It's weird how like, you can go anywhere in this town, and for some reason someone there knows who he is. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter when. I, was, I would always be shocked. I was, oh, wow, you're here, Mike. Look, look at that. You're, here you are. I never expected to see you. And it's like I'm in a gas station at 4 in the morning, and the dude behind the counter doesn't speak English, but he knows who Mike is. And I don't know how. <laughs> also, <laughs> also the bum behind the dumpster. <laughs> It definitely wasn't even exclusive to Florida either. Like, I'm 
moved back to Indiana for a year for a while there, and I'd go to Nashville to see the Proto Men, or I'd I'd go up to West Lafayette or something to see a band that I like, and I went to go see Random Encounter, and I was like, uh, you guys know Mike? And they were like, who doesn't know Mike? <laughs> Sexually. <laughs> uh, so I was not nearly as close to Mike as a lot of you were, um, but the first time that, oh, I should say, oh, this is Mark. With with a C. C. I didn't. <laughs> I just launched into shit. By the way, this is a really this is a really. Deep I just thing. came to say that Triforce Mike's a good egg, and they put a potato in my pants, and there's a chip in my head. Good night. <laughs> this, this, this is a really douchey thing, but it's also made me laugh every single time uh, when when Mike would get approached by a bum and he'd see the bum coming for him. Mike would go, "Hey man, got any change?" <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Mike was an asshole. <laughs> oh yeah, it 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 pisses him off and makes him go away real fast. <laughs> the first time I remember actually meeting Mike, I I know I met him the day before Nerdapalooza at the uh, pre-party in 2008, which was the first time that I met. Um, pretty much anyone related to the, the nerd music scene face to face, and uh, the the first the show was good, but I, I can't remember much of it because I was I was really fucking hammered um, playing the pre party, and I'm sure I met a lot of people, and I'm sure that Mike was one of them, but I have no recollection of it. The first time I remember meeting <laughs> Triforce Mike was the very next day. And uh, I'm sitting outside of the, um, I don't want to plug the venue that Nerdapalooza 2008 took place at, because it's not my favorite venue. You could say it left a bad taste in your mouth. (laughs) You could say that. (laughs) I'm sitting outside of it, chain smoking, drinking. Um, getting being a general nuisance, and this guy just bounds out of nowhere, wearing, if I remember right, a hoodie. And this is weird because it's Fourth of July weekend in <laughs> Orlando, Florida, and it's eight thousand degrees. And he just he bounds out of nowhere, and the people that I was talking to completely turned away from me to take this guy's point of view that. Hey, you guys, do you guys like comics? Because I work at this place called Comic Shop. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? He just went outside to do, like, this paid program. And, um, and, and he turns to me, realizing he had just stolen whatever conversation I was just having. He says, hey, you're the guy who sings the songs about blowjobs. Do you, like... Do you do you get comic? Are you a comic fan? I said, well, no. I used to collect comics. I, w- I was really uh, heavy into it, and then my entire collection was stolen uh, and sold. It was really hurtful for me, and since then, I completely jumped out of the comic world. I don't collect any longer. And he says, well, see, at comic shop, we have this, you know, philosophy where. You know, you don't collect comics, you you acquire comics. And, like, he found a way to make me go, you know, I could do, I could acquire comics before I know it. (laughs) Before I know it, I'll have a collection. It'll be really great. Um, And then from that day on, every single time I saw him, he reached his hand right to my crotch. And... um, 
Yeah. Oh yeah, there was. And I think that you could. There could definitely be a very very strong club of people who have had the Triforce Mike ball shake, and I think the meet the the club would probably be named. Did he really have to make eye contact every single time? but just because there there's a million fun stories about Mike, I, I was sort of, I would say, fortunate and unfortunate enough to see early on. There was a show that Hex lovingly set up for uh, for me and some other local acts to play at a bowling alley, and they had this th- this brilliant idea that the stage should be on the lanes, but they didn't put it in the front of the lanes. For some reason, (laughs) for some reason, the stage was like 40 feet back from people. So I was closer to balls, giant heavy balls. Nope. Get the laughter out of your system now. I'm going to say balls a lot. Um, These things were just crashing behind me, and I really thought, oh my God, the PA is exploding, because that's all I hear, and I don't hear any crowd noise at all. (laughs) But people had been asking me to play Laura, I Need Medicine, and they they must have been asking really fervently, because there's 40 feet between me and the audience, and I can't see anyone's eyes. All I see are the reflections of the bowling lights on a sea of glasses, so it just looks like this ocean of stormtroopers in front of me. And... um, I'm playing the song, and I heard people cheer off in the distance, and then I saw them part like the Red Sea. And I went, well, they, they asked me to play this song. Why, why did the crowd leave? And it, and it turns out it was because Mike um, had been partying really hard that whole night, and he just let loose this torrential storm of vomit in the dead center of the audience. <laughs> and uh, it really, it sort of cast a pall on the, the rest of the, the night, and I didn't know that this is what happened until I got off stage and my wife explained it to me. And so as we're leaving the venue that night, uh, I remember seeing him sitting against the wall, just sort of, not really head in hands, but you know, that half sit, half crouch thing you do when you're drunk and you're not really sure if you're going to puke again. And I went up to him and said, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? Do you want some water? And I heard what happened, and he looked up at me and said something to the effect of, what? I'm like, no, do you need anything? I heard you're not feeling so well, and you kind of puked everywhere. And I was genuinely being kind, and I know sometimes I sound more sarcastic than I intend to, but he, he said, I know what the C in Mark with a C stands for. I said, well, what's that? He said, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and while that's really funny, when he said it, there was no light behind his eye. He wasn't trying to be funny. He was genuinely being a fucking prick. And there was a moment where, after he had been entertaining everyone, the lights kind of went out, and things got dark for a little while. And I could see right then that he had a severe, severe problem. And I can't say that I predicted anything that that occurred because I certainly didn't I didn't know him well enough to but a lot of those really fun stories that we're telling was 
they're, they're the product of someone who was deeply troubled and he wouldn't accept help even from someone he barely knew that he seemed to like. Um, I have a history of uh, substance abuse. Uh, my entire family does, and it's really, really tough to know what to say or how to react in the situation. I think it's great that Mike's going to be remembered for all the positive things that he did for people, but often the war stories, we're going to forget that at the end of the night, that guy didn't remember those good times sometimes, and he also didn't remember being a total prick to people who wanted to be nice to him, but that's out of, I guess it was four, five years of knowing him, that's the only time I can think of that he was ever anything less than really nice and welcoming to me. And that's a lot more than I can say for pretty much everyone I call my best friend. <laughs> um, he was the funniest, most sprightly, I, I think you said it best uh, when you called him wet noodle. <laughs> um, to know him was to love him, and to love him was to be eternally concerned about him. But I am, I definitely am going to miss him. And I think every, uh, I think we're all better and more entertained for having, uh, for, for his presence and existence in our life. So thanks, Mike. And um, seriously, no other man has ever tried to reach for my ball sack and not got punched in the nose. <laughs> so that really says something about him. Every time I roll up my window, there's a streak. Still? To this day? It's disgusting. I had to take the whole door apart. Oh my god. (laughs) You wanted to leave an indelible mark? Yeah. Asshole. (laughs) Uh, I'm Rule. I'm the game master for Dungeons and Doritos, and that's pretty much that's how I met Mike. Was uh, really through that show. when I first met him, I thought to myself that this guy is going to be really obnoxious. <laughs> I was, I was, but my, my initial impression of him was like the really bad obnoxious, like the obnoxious person that just seems to always want to have the spotlight on him, does really asinine things to the point that you just don't even want to be around him. But after about 20 minutes with the guy... I got the exact opposite impression of the, uh, you know, don't want to be around them. <laughs> um, you, you couldn't help but want to be around them. Um, he was obnoxious, but he was uh, in a very colorful, fun way. Um, so uh, it, it was kind of a weird thing. It was like, okay, yeah, I, I think I'm going to enjoy this. Um, <laughs> we had kind of an audition episode, and... Uh, the concept for a chair was the exact same thing as, you know, meeting Mike. It was one of those things. Like, I, I've been doing, you know, game mastering for a while, and I always have to deal with these players that come up with these really cool-sounding characters to the person that invented the character. And for everybody else, it's, that character's just a nuisance. He's always that person that's just, uh, you know, the, the whole story should revolve around something cool that this guy wants to do. Um, the chair wasn't really like that. 
Uh, he seemed like that on paper, and it was uh, kind of an interesting uh, uh, thing for me to see that, that this uh, really loud and, and, and room-filling person can come up with this really obscure concept um, and actually make make it enjoyable for everybody at the table. So it wasn't... Um, it wasn't something that it was just uh, it's got to be all about the, this weird little dwarf character and this and, and Mike. It was uh, somehow this guy just added to everybody else's fun. Um, I had about three or four games going on at the time and somehow Mike wheedled his way into these games. Uh, sometimes he would play his own characters. Most of the time he'd wind up having to play somebody else's character because they weren't there and he would play that character. He would play it just as if the person who had played it before, he, he, he somehow grasped the character, the history, and how this character should be played, and he just fell right in there. So you never saw a chair peek his little head in to any of these games. It was always a different person, a different character. Um, so most of these were during the day. Mike was generally not drunk, and if he was, he was hiding it very well and admirably well. Um, but... Um, the one really fun night we had was uh, James' going away party. And uh, we all drank very heavily that night. Um, James, I think, was giving away his, uh, his swords. Uh, they were a, a pair of wooden kendo swords. And they got in the bright idea of having a uh, sword fight that night. And I've actually practiced and, and, and I'm very experienced with swords since I was young. Um, so we all went out to this graveyard where, like you do, have sword fights <laughs> uh, in the dark, which was uh, you know very dangerous. We had to go around make sure we weren't going to trip on headstones and everything. And we beat the piss out of each other for quite a while. The climax and the ending was Mike, and I don't know who it was that he was fighting. It got ugly. And he got picked up and pile-drived into the ground and just kind of stayed there in a ball for yeah, for a while. Yeah, I mean, he was just there. And we weren't really sure what to do. We kind of looked at him and thought maybe he might be hurt. <laughs> and, um, you know, after a while, he just kind of pops back up and he's like, that was awesome. <laughs> he loved it. Uh, and I, I'm not even sure if he could have really remembered it because that looked like it hurt. But... Um, that was kind of that. That was that was that was my mic. That was the mic that I knew was um, this guy that was just a lot of fun to be around. He was uh, an all-inclusive person. Nobody that was uh, hanging out with him felt left out. So you didn't even know have to know him very well. Um, you walked into a room and he would meet you as if you were um, as if he had been waiting for you to show up. And. Um, I really appreciated that about him, and I, I really enjoyed uh, knowing him, and I'm going to miss him dearly, and um, uh, I just uh, thank him for uh, spending some time with me, and that's it. Taking the mic now is Aaron Holland of the Comic Shop. Yeah, uh, my name's Aaron. Um, known Mike. For eight years, um, right about where I reinvented myself. Um, I was going through a divorce at the time and had nothing, no one, nothing going on, and got a job at a comic book store. 
just on Wednesdays because every comic book store needs help on Wednesdays. And the two guys that were full-time there, I pitted them against each other. And um, <laughs> I knew one guy was a cokehead that was stealing from the owner. So I instantly befriended him because I knew I could get rid of him at any point. And I had him help me get rid of the other guy who actually wasn't a bad guy. But he had the job that I wanted. So <laughs> we got rid of that guy pretty easily. You know, he was crying, whining, whatever. And then, you know, finally, I waited. The other guy actually stole something that was one of a kind on eBay. He sold an original art cover. And that's when I, you know, called the boss. Said, hey, look, look on eBay right now. This thing, that's yours. You know, that guy stole it. He was like, well, you know, we'll wait and see if he gives me the money. Maybe he's taking some initiative. I was like, no, he's on coke. He's not going to give you the fucking money. And he doesn't give him the money and, you know, whatever. And that was really cool. So then I was the boss. I was, I was running the whole show then. And um, like, this is badass, you know, but I needed some help. You know, I needed someone else to help me on Wednesday at that point. And there was Mike. Uh, you know, he would help me on Wednesday for comics. And originally I met him. There was this comic called Demo, which was kind of this... Kind of punk rocky comic, whatever. And it came out, and I was like, saw Mike, and I was like, yo, you would like this, man. It looks like that indie emo fag shit that you would just eat up. And I, and I didn't even, never met him before in my life. And he bought it. And then he came back. He's like, that was awesome, you know? And then, so we pretty much clicked from the inception. And at one point, he was, had, was probably going to have to move back home, and because he didn't have any transportation. He had the bus and everything. And I'd basically stolen a van. I had a, a van that <laughs> it didn't. It didn't have title. Like there was no title. So I put a, a tag that was my tag on that van. I ended up got got arrested. It was one of <laughs> it was one of the worst nights in my entire life. Not the, my wife will say it's the worst night of her life. I'm like you sheltered bitch. You know, like that was that was in the top ten worst nights of my life. Wait, but this was you reinventing yourself. <laughs> it was very Machiavellian, all right? <laughs> he had lived his life as a civilian. He wanted to try life as a criminal. So, Well, it wasn't working for me the other way, you know? The good guys finish last, right? You know, I mean, come on. Anyone that's been divorced before knows this. Um, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, so, you know, then I got some kind of title for the car, and I got, for that van, I got some type of title, and I, I, I got it in Mike's name, and Mike was okay with putting it in his name, and um, he needed a van, and I told him, you know, this isn't really on the up and up, I mean, this is not legal, Mike, and he's like, I don't give a fuck, you know, and I'm like, Mike, you know, when you sign your name on this, <laughs> yeah, you're taking ownership of this van, and it's not really, you know, you're, you're, you're committing a fraud right now, and, you know, I mean, this is fraud, and he doesn't give a fuck, so... He signs it and he gets a tag on it and he has a van for about two weeks and he drives it through a fucking wall. <laughs> he, got, he the next day he showed me the wall. <laughs> he was proud of it. Like, like, we were driving somewhere. He's like, check that out. I did that like yesterday. I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with you? It looked like a fucking Kool-Aid man. Where am I? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 like, um, like a housing complex and it was just like every single brick was just laying on the ground. <laughs> there's still bricks, but they're just all out of the wall somehow and, 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 and like, when that, he when he fine. did that, I wasn't with him, but this is this is how he how he tells it. He did that and, and he actually narrowly avoided getting killed via a, a, a power line, a power oh. pole. But yes. um, he did that, he crashed into an old woman's backyard and she comes out, <laughs> she's like 
this is a problem. This is a big problem. Brandon, was it your grandmother? <laughs> so, you know, there was that. And, you know, and after I didn't get mad at him about that, you know, he knew that he'd get away with anything with me. <laughs> I really wasn't mad. I mean, it's kind of funny, and you know, I, I didn't pay for that van, and I was, <laughs> he paid for it though. His car insurance was like four hundred dollars a month after that. But you know, um, anyway, it, uh, we just clicked. We just vibed. We just had this kind of unspoken chemistry where he just got me, and I got him, and we played off each other. And when there was customers coming in, they were like fish in a barrel. You know, if they were our kind of people. And if they weren't our kind of people, fuck them. Because Mike cut the shit so easily. If someone was a... a there's there's Asperger problem com, comic shop customers that are in here. They're, they're getting into conversation. They're annoying. They're, they butt into your conversation when you're selling people stuff. Tony, we, we th thought we that Tony was one of them with the, the Sonic thing. We really did. I mean, obviously, we changed our mind. But seriously, um, Mike, Mike could get rid of these people with such ease and expediency that I love the guy. I mean, I'm like, Mike, dude, this guy's been in here for two hours. He's butting into all my conversation. I could have probably gotten rid of him, but I don't know. I just liked watching Mike do it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like Mike, can you get rid of this no, guy? Like and he's Mike like, no it. problem. Hey, go, you know, butt touch, you know, whatever, this, that, and, you know, just, are you gonna, are you gonna buy anything? You know, did you just come here for the sex? You know, cause we go out back, you know, just to, you know, like, so, and they would leave. It was awesome. So we had this, when we did the comic show videos, I mean, people were like, oh, Mike didn't really talk. And it was, Mike loved that. Mike didn't prepare for those videos for shit. Mike didn't pick out the top books. Mike didn't read them ahead of time. Mike loved comics. He read them. But did he read them ahead of time? Fuck no. Mike didn't. You know what I mean? He's a procrastinator, a chronic procrastinator. So, so, you know, I'd pick him out, blah, 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 all that. He could fake it like a motherfucker. And... He would pick up on whatever I was saying. He would parrot me. He would be like, boom, boom, boom. You know, he would, he would come up with, he would say what I just said more succinctly with three words and alliteration. And <laughs> boom, done. You know, we moved on to the next book. And he was, I'm going to miss having my sidekick, my guy that, you know, like, I, can't, I don't have anyone else in my life that I have really clicked with like that. And, you know, I know Tony said there was a lot of mics. And my mic was the dude that, like, the off color, off, like we could not outdo each other. Like he never got butt hurt, not once, you know? And I didn't get, you know, like you said, like Mike would do things and you would be okay because it was Mike, you know? Like anyone else would say sh some shit about something, you know? There's shit that is kind of off limits. And with Mike, it wasn't because for me, I knew it wasn't off limits to go back at him and it was like a fucking challenge, you know? It's like, Instead of gay chicken, it was like, you know, bad taste chicken, you know, like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's take this up and, you know, and, and he would vibe. And when there was a customer in here that was a spender, but was a straight arrow, he left him alone. <laughs> you know, he turned it off and, and the, the straight arrow customers that would spin, he would just say, oh, you know, you'd like this, sir, you know, <laughs> like, come on. But just, it was, and the, the biggest thing, which, you know, could have been a huge lawsuit that where Mike just, just fucking vibed off of me. It was brilliant. And this, this, you know, the story, I told my wife this story before I came here because unlike Tony, I'm not, you know, Tony was like, oh, we're getting married. I need to be honest with you, whatever. You know, like me, I've been married, you know, like seven years now or whatever for the second wife. And 
you know, like, I'm not going to tell her, like, hey, I just made out with Mike Pandel, you know, deep tongue kissing, you know, and it was awesome. But anyway, so I told her, I told her the story tonight, and she still wasn't happy about it. I'm like, the dude's dead, you know, like, what the fuck? Dad? I'm not going to leave you for Mike, you know, like, that's over. That dream is gone. But, um, but, so we're at, we're at Megacon, and, and Mike quickly picked up that, you know, going to cons with me is the best because it's so simple. You, you just find out what hotel they're putting the guests in, you stay in that hotel. And then you're not a creeper, you know, you're not, you know, you're just at the bar at the hotel you're staying in. You're not, you know, you're not stalking the, the guest. So, you know, and you buy them a drink, you offer to buy them, they'd never really take you up on you buying them a drink, you know, whatever. But we're drinking with, you know, people we know, and you just have one person you know, and you're in with everybody, and... You know, we're drinking with some of Mike's idols, like Jeff Johns and whatnot, and then fucking Miriam shows up, his ex-girlfriend, you know, and it was bullshit, because David Hood, Miriam's friend, like, texted me, like, where you guys at? I want to come party with you. And I was like, oh, he's our graphic designer, he wants to party, I'll tell him. He shows up with fucking Miriam, and we're just like, what the fuck, you know? I mean, she's a good person, but she was... It was a really volatile time for them, they'd broken up recently, and things were just bad. It was... And she was trying to force him to talk to her. And she chased him around the bar, and trapped him in the bathroom, and she was beating on the door, and, you know, then she finally is like, you know, like, David, you need to get the... get her out of here, and, you know, whatever. And I was like, look, isn't that the whole cast of Star Trek Next Generation? And then they walked over there and did that (laughs) for whatever. And so Mike comes out, and he just starts drinking really, really, really heavy after that. He is just pissed, and he's going to drink, and it was on the store's card, so it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't PBR. It was, you know, Makers and, you know, Sierra Nevada and the stuff that he really likes to drink, you know? And then we're out, and we all get kicked out of the bar, and everyone, there's like 40 people outside of the bar, but still the hotel. And we had some interns, because Jason Blanchard needed to um, have people he could tell to do his tedious bullshit tasks that didn't understand that all they were doing was digging a ditch all day so that he could fill it in at night. And then they'd come <laughs> in the next day, and they're like, what's up? And they're like, dig this ditch again, you know? I mean, so anyway, he had interns, because Mike wouldn't, <laughs> Mike wouldn't do what he said anymore. So, um, <laughs> so, and he happened to be three female interns, and um, Mike, just a coincidence. I see, I see the problem already. So Mike's shit-faced, right? And he leans over to one of the girls and just grabs her and jams his tongue down her throat, and she is not having it. I mean, she is just like, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to get sued. This, this, is, the, this is how lawsuits happen, you know? Like... It's fucking interns, god damn it, you know, fucking this couldn't be more cliche. And she runs off, and the other two interns are consoling her, and I'm like, what, what happened? And she's like, she's like, I fucked it up, I fucked up my internship, uh, you know, I made out with Mike, and that's so unprofessional. And I'm like, eh, yeah. how do I deal with this? You know, what the fuck do I do? Fucking, you know, and I'm like, listen, it doesn't mean anything, he's so drunk, it doesn't mean anything. She's like, no, it ruined everything, I don't think I can ever go back to a comic shop, it's all ruined. I'm like... It doesn't mean anything. Mike is so drunk. It, it means nothing to him. Let me fix this. He's like, no. I was like, Mike, get over here. And he's like, what? what? I was like, Mike, dude, seriously? You just like force your tongue down her throat. He's like, uh. I was like, come on, dude. What the fuck? And, you know, I was like, it doesn't mean anything, right? And he's like, no. I was like, let's prove to her it doesn't mean anything. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and we had some very deep tongue kissing right in front of her. And the whole issue just was dropped. That <laughs> <It> was done. <laughs> <laughs> she never came back. No, she she still shops here to this day. She has a file. She has a pull. 
So I'm get into sexual harassment by Aaron. <laughs> 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 Using gay chicken to get out of sexual harassment. <laughs> so, so that's that's the, I mean Mike just picked up on whatever I was putting down. I mean he just no questions asked, no like you know, like you say whatever you want, but with me there was never any insubordination. If I was had a vision, he was following my vision. And when I didn't have a vision or I wasn't watching him, or I wasn't here. <laughs> I had the day off. <laughs> Who the fuck knows what happened those days? But he marched to the beat. He was my sidekick, and I'm going to miss him forever. So that's it. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say that I owe my store and its, its success mainly to him. I mean, yeah. yeah uh, to, you know, I got to the part where, you know, I had the store, and then I had the van, and the van crashed through the wall, and and then I couldn't be mad at him, blah, blah, blah. But what, what really, after that, I decided, you know what? That worked so well for me, you know, sealing that van and, <laughs> and being the guy that runs the store, you know, let's, let's have a little bit of ambition. And I was like, motherfucker, I could steal this store. Because, um, <laughs> because and I told Mike the plan. I was like, listen, because um, I had a paralegal background, and I was like, you know, I never finished my degree, but I had, I was like, according to Dirty Hands Doctrine, he can't sue me if he's been doing illegal stuff, he hasn't been paying a sales tax, he hasn't been reporting anything, blah, 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 there's no way he can sue me. You can't say, like, tortious interference with another business, and you say, well, what are your sales records? What sales did he steal from you? Can you prove damages? He can prove, all he could prove is that he defrauded the government of tax money. That's all he could prove. He wasn't paying me on the books either, like how, and he lived, you know, in New Hampshire. So I was like, Mike, dude, we can do this, man. This store could be ours. You know, <laughs> the only thing stopping us is this lease. Let's open the store three miles down the road, right? The lease in my name, and we can, you know, get everyone to come along, and, and we'll steal all the customers, and we'll run this store. And, montage later. And he, what's up? You know, 180's montage later. What? Funny thing is, the day you came in to do the walkthrough. <laughs> when I was casing the joint. <laughs> he, was, um, he was actually coming into the record store that I was co-owner of. And um, you know, I'm really sad because we're losing the store for good reason. Yeah, the whole and, <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm watching this guy come in who looks like he's just woke up and really not happy to be there. I'm like, he's never gonna succeed. Look at how bad he is with the public. He didn't even say hi to me. And yeah, thanks for you know proving I got shit for brains. <laughs> <laughs> without Mike's enthusiasm, without Mike backing me up, without Mike, you know, willing to do any illegal thing that, you know, I could come up with and, and justify and say, dude, we're not going to get in trouble for this, you know, like, come on. Without that, without, you know, being in costume outside the road, door hanging, getting flyers out, going to full sale daily, without any, we wouldn't have what we had here. You know, Mike, we talk about community building and, and the store, and, you know, I owe a lot of that to, to him and to him, you know, not just believing in my vision, but not questioning it when it includes illegal shit, because, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was, he was there. You know, he was, he made it happen. He executed a lot of my plans uh, better than I could have done it with the enthusiasm and the the personality and the larger than life aspects that he had. That I owe a lot of the success to to that guy, and I cut him so much slack for so long because, and I enabled him too for so long because I really owed so much of what I had to. That guy's just believing in, in me, but not just believing me, but believing in me with his actions. And, you know, I know that's stuff that you guys mentioned, but it, 
it's true. You know, it's it's definitely true. There's so much gone with Mike not here, and there's a lot of time for us all to be sad. But one tack that I think we all need to take is there is this lack of, first off, Pokemon knowledge that's going to be in the world. Oh, there man. are not enough Teddy Ursa breeders in the world to do what he did. <laughs> I know, right? But on top of that, but his, by the way, his his Pokemon cartridges are uh, are with his little sister now. Good, she will take care of them. I know that. I know she will. But there is this energy that we need to pick up the slack for. We need to go forth into the world as new Triforce mics. Not using that name because it's trademarked. But uh, real quick, real quick. Um, <laughs> Uh, Doug of Nerdapalooza and the Sauce Remix, uh, he purchased uh, TriforceMike.com. So whenever we want that, to do whatever we want with it. He made sure that we... Well, besides Mike. uh, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) There is so much that we can do to honor his memory, to go forth and to live life to the fullest without as much drunk biking. And <laughs> seriously, if you do that after knowing about all this, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> but we can we can touch the crotches that he would have touched. We can dance like the spastic dolls that he danced like at every Proto Man concert. They they roped off an area of every stage so that he could flail around like a marionette being electrocuted. <laughs> if you ever want to see what a seizure looks like, find a video of Mike dancing to the Proto Man because God damn it, he hurt people. <laughs> There is a very good chance, but Mike's passing will forever be sad. It doesn't need to be depressing. We can we can take this. We can run with it. We can show the world that Triforce Mike was a force to be reckoned with, whose energy will never die. And we can fuck shit up. Yeah, tonight. Um, the world is without a hero, a hero that was there, a light that filled us all up. But I think the, what, the way that I kind of I've been able to get out of the darkness is by imagining what would Mike do if I if I was right next to him and I was crying. He just look at me like the eye, the, his eyes popping right above his glasses. Go, so you want to make out? and uh he'd call me a sad fag and say stop being sad let's go hang out and have a party and so i think that's really what we all need to do we need to just take that positive energy that that happiness that willingness to to share that light with everyone that he had within him and just make this world a brighter place bronies for life bronies for life friendship is magic friendship is fucking magic there's there's one of us left who hasn't uh who hasn't got a chance to speak and uh and that's that's nick and nick just got into town just before this recording uh so all this is is he gonna talk in that weird accent yeah that 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 that, that weird accent of someone who's who's lived in the uk for (laughs) (laughs) say cubicle instead of stall (laughs) we didn't understand him before he went to england (laughs) (laughs) 
Mike always understood me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he communicated it. with his cock. Yeah, Body language, man. <laughs> oh. I wanted to say something that was unpoop related. That's how I told the poop story. Earlier. That's, that's, that's too highbrow. <laughs> um, I'll try to make it succinct and comprehensible. But I mean, I, I've known Mike for quite a while, back in high school, and I kind of transferred schools to go meet back up with my friends who had like parted ways with that Pompano, where I unfortunately didn't know Mike. And I remember I remember going into our computer class with Mr. Plotkin, <laughs> and it was the skip school, go where you needed to go, to get, just didn't have to go to class when you went there. And I went in there once, and Sandy wasn't there, and Sandy was, Sandy was the person I knew, who knew fat everybody. Finnegan. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Fat, Tid, fat tits Finnegan. Fat tits Finnegan. That's just yeah. and that's that's really at this it's point just just so <laughs> just just so everybody knows who he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember there was I think Brandon was there and there's Mike and Andrew and a few people that I'd kind of been loosely introduced to by Sandy, and for some reason. I had nowhere to sit in the room, and I wasn't supposed to be there. And so I wanted to—I wanted to get into the kind of get my back to the teacher as quick as I could. And for some reason, I grabbed a chair and I sat between Mike and next, just next to Mike. And he kind of looked back at me and was like, "What the fuck are you doing there?" <laughs> and I just kind of—and and at that point, we just started going, like, just started bantering, and we got on from that point on. And then I think Andrew found the Little Mermaid song, finally, after weeks and weeks of traveling. So, <laughs> in the midst of uh, us going, who the fuck are you? We get a nice MIDI version of the Little Mermaid. He was looking for weeks, and Plotkin was going off on one of his rants about how, what the fuck are all you kids doing in my class? He was talking on the stage, and he said, what the fuck are all these kids doing in my class? That aren't even supposed to be here, and if I hear one more word out of you motherfuckers, you all are gone. And it was crickets. And then, out of nowhere, And that was Nick's first introduction. Dude, this world of shit that we're in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, like everybody has kind of talked about today, there were so many mics, and I mean, obviously, there's been so many us's and so many of everybody. We've all changed, and it's really hard for me to kind of pinpoint any key stories to kind of tell you through the years because it's just all I can remember is laughing and having fun and doing stupid shit and doing it constantly <laughs> uh, and with no regard for anybody else. And we used to drive cars into our other friends' cars. Yeah, that was oh, fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! We were just like, at red, red light, and suddenly your car would still get <laughs> out of the intersection, and you'd be like, what the fuck? No, I have, I, have to, <laughs> I have to tell this one now that you mentioned that, because there was infinite fucking stories. But, um... Yeah, we were we were in the car and uh, we backed or we we drove forward into the car that Mike was in with with uh, the rest of our friends, 
And Mike decided, even though this was planned and we did it all the time, he was going to throw the door open and jump out and yell at us and make a scene so that everybody would turn and look at us. It was in the other cars. And as, as he jumps out of the passenger side and throws open this door, this lady on a bicycle <laughs> is riding by, thinks she's getting mugged, falls off her bicycle. <laughs> and Mike just, holy shit, I'm so sorry, like back of the car immediately. And we sped off. <laughs> but this was like every day, something this stupid. A lot of old ladies falling off bikes. It was a pastime. But yeah, I mean, that's what my 12 years of knowing Mike has been filled with, of just knowing that every time I was coming back to Orlando that he'd be there with open arms. And, it, and really regretfully now, we didn't, we didn't need to keep in touch when I went away. We, we, always, we always picked back up where we left off and when we needed each other, we knew we were there. And I think we always both hope backed on the fact that we knew that if it ever came to zeros, that we were always there for each other. And, and coming back today, it is just like there's something missing. And he's, I know he was an asshole, <laughs> but like kind of the relationship Aaron had with him was the relationship we had. And we were assholes. He was our asshole. <laughs> but we, were, but we were telling the truth all the time. <laughs> and he might not want to hear it, but he was the most beautiful asshole for that. And you always, you always knew that even if he was being a dick, there was some kind of intention behind there. And I will miss him forever. And I just want to end on. <laughs> I once wrote a song <laughs> about... <laughs> about a beautiful experience of moving into my college house with Brandon and Lawrence and Mike. Uh, and there was a line in that, which I think metaphorically can hold quite a lot of weight for this evening. But it went, so what if Mike's dick is eight inches? It grows even bigger every time that's mentioned. <laughs> and I think it'll carry on. <laughs> Um, Mike was the f first person who I ever stayed up all night talking to. <laughs> I'm working on it, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> what happened next? <laughs> Incidentally, I think he might have been, for me also, the first person who I'm actually kind of from yeah. before, yeah. before yeah. sunset to yeah. after sunrise. And then we turned Please all the lights off, and there were tickle attacks. <laughs> well, let's not talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's been lawyers involved. <laughs> <laughs> there were yours. There were my lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> and back then, um, in high school, it was a. He, there was a lot of there was a lot of really incredible uh, creative energy there, and uh, we just we just stay up all night talking about stories we wanted to tell, and uh, <sighs> I 
I'm sorry this is coming out so slow. I haven't had a moment to stop since it happened! had a lot of really good friends in my time, but he was the first person who I really thought, this guy is my best friend. And that changed. That changed over time, and maybe that's why I resented him so much. Because I, I got closest to him when he was truest to himself, and it was the hardest goddamn thing in the world to watch him slip away. And... But an, he helped make me... Who I was, and who I am. And there's no way I could be who I am today if it wasn't for him. And I'm always going to hold on to that. And we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop doing a goddamn thing. The only difference is he will be, he won't be there. He'll be in all of us, and we'll all be better for it. We'll all be better for taking his life energy and putting it into ourselves. And he, when he died, he, he wasn't just a hero to all of us. He, his organs were donated to people, and I don't know where they'll go, and I, I hope that no one got his goddamn liver. <laughs> wait, 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 I can give breaking news that someone did get his liver. Really? Yeah, they said it was okay. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was four. There were four in total. That uh, so he saved four lives. Oh my god! And I hope he'll save a lot more with everybody knowing everything that there was that we know about him. <laughs> and <laughs> we're gonna play two songs closing out. <laughs> <laughs> first, first, we're gonna play the song that Nick wrote. It's called University House. He wrote it with a friend of ours called uh, uh, named Mike. <laughs> named Mike Dowdy. If you don't have it, I do. Um, um, Colin's putting together a video montage that we're gonna play at the tribute. Um, it's gonna be online. Uh, there may also be a, a, a not safe for work and maybe not safe for your own eyes, depending on <laughs> depending on how you are uh, deep inside, how you feel about penises, uh, silver ones particularly. Um, Mike was the littlest grown Yes, <laughs> yes. And um, uh, where was I going with that? Oh shit. Well, uh, second, song, second song. Right, right. Second and, and, song. The, and the second song um, was uh, written by Mark very recently uh, about about all those trials and tribulations and first first encounters that he had with Mike, <laughs> the ones he remembered, <laughs> and uh, and it's there's not a more perfect song, not even more than his own goddamn theme song that there could be about about Mike and who he was to people and how he. And just how he was, and, uh, and thank you so much, Mark, for for that because it's it is perfect. It's goddamn perfect. 
So here's here's the track University House, named after the 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 university housing complex where where Mike, Brandon, Lawrence, and and, uh, and Nick live together in in sin and filth. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly filth. <laughs> and. Uh, By Mark with a C's, you touched my balls a lot. A very true story that he almost wishes he couldn't remember. Thank you so much for tuning in with this. Um, and uh, <laughs> enjoy. Good morning. It's 4 a.m. Most people asleep. I know that I am, but I'm driving. Take my shit down rouse Gonna visit my bros at University House And they chillin' with pussy galore Water from the cave, moistens the floor in that pad It's like a haven for the homies Got Brandon in the front yard Hey, would you blow me? As he offers to a group of passing Asians He's giving up Caucasians to increase the eastern population A little mixed procreation Busting loud and proud on an anime station. You got Mackie P in his room, up to his ass in Turtles comics and various spoons. This kid gets more play than his Game Boy. He's got an eight-inch penis and it ain't no play toy. It's all good and there ain't no tension. So Jay shows up, then it's a multi-erection. All the residents just stand at attention when she walks in the room or when her presence is mentioned. Hey Lawrence, ha, you're looking silly. Is that a ferret in your pocket or are you happy to see me? Nah, I'm just playing man. Don't want to get my ass kicked. The Kung Fu Master. Versus me, I know where B licked. You own the shit, man. It's your TV. You got the tables, the chairs, and if you wanted a piece of me. But only if you want it, brother. You got my digits. With bending it's like that, who wouldn't want to hit it? I think the found wise man clearly said, I'm doing your mom. That bitch gives good head. He said this was drawing a penis on my walls. He puts veins on the shaft, the hair on the balls. University Shit goes down in university house. So what if the floor has cake on it? Tastes so good, wanna pucker and lick on it. And the toads always cook us bring this shit so big. But it's one of the many things that makes me love where I live. First off, Lawrence wouldn't hurt a fly unless you told him she's with another guy. And I know that he might get upset due to the lyrical content. I might even bet. But I'll do anything that sets the record straight. Speaking of which, there's the Minister of Hate. I'm talking about Brandon. He doesn't want the Asians just to conquer their land. And he doesn't want to fuck Mike. He cares. But if he had it his way, he'd lock himself in his room with his tigers and bears. One other thing, Mike's penis is in 8 inches. It grows even bigger every time that it's mentioned. He used to travel to get pooned, but hasn't been the same since then. But you're right, in a cesspool of geek he sits in. He might say that he has OCD, but he's just been crazy to begin with. Don't even get me started on myself. You know I'll do your mom, but only if she's a MILF. And so what if I work at Kinko's? At least I got a job doesn't want to let me go. Mikey, you think you're still working? Hell no, they met the fire ass a long time ago. Yes, it's gonna be so broke, who knows? I hope you're not one of those guys who chokes when he blows. Chokes when he blows? Hey, 
really fucked up.
fandom, it's me, Aaron Holland, and I, um, the number two big shot in Orlando, and I hired Michael Pan out, which was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> I want to uh, thank uh, you, you all for listening. Nerdy Show is uh, brought to you by a comic shop, Nerdapalooza, at the Oviedo branch of a play and trade. If you have questions and comments or complaints, please feel free to send them to info at nerdyshow.com. Feel free to listen to more episodes of Nerdy Show at nerdyshow.com or the iTunes store by searching for Nerdy Show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Nerdy Show. There, I did it without being racist. Are you happy? I'm Aaron Holland and I'm a racist. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.